All right, let's do this. It's Wednesday night. Welcome, Vibe Tribe. Good to have you all here. Thanks for showing up early. Love to see my homies in the chat. Please do us a big favor. Pop this episode link over into some Telegram group or place where, you know, someone's interested in the truth about cooties. At this point, all the truths are pretty out in the open, but I'm really excited for tonight's conversation. We're pulling together a bunch of fantastic minds, major thought leaders in the space of, was there even such a thing as a Vi, Russ? I don't know. <laughs> but uh, we're here to find out. I'm actually, when I say, I don't know, I'll just go ahead and say it's all in the mind. I mean, literally <laughs> everything's in your mind. There's nothing that isn't in your mind. And that's where all of this has been the whole time. It's a battle for the mind. So yeah, thanks for sharing the show out to whoever uh, you think might like it, especially helpful if it's just a one-to-one one -one, one -one share. I think that's even better than a big shotgun blast into a, a crowd. But yeah, tonight we've got, of course, my wingman, Gabriel, the slickest of dissidents, and DJ Mike Winner in the house. Tall, strong, intelligent, great people connector. Gotta love him. Co-host of Alpha Vedic. And a new friend, Jacob Diaz, the undercover virologist, will also be joined later in the stream by a few other awesome people, such as Amanda Vollmer. <laughs> theoretically, hopefully. And uh, much love goes out to Alex Zek. He got a little waylaid by some other stuff that was very pressing he needed to take care of. So we are rocking this stream in his honor and all about a very special event coming up that Alec is integral to the production of the end of COVID or cooties, if you know, if you're me. <laughs> so Mike, what's up, dude? Let me just kick it over to you. Oh, and we got Amanda in the house. What's up, Amanda? Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. And Yay. I'm happy Amanda's here. <laughs> uh, I have to talk. I can talk way less now. Um, <laughs> you know, it wouldn't be for Al if, you know, Alec wasn't here in this plane with us here spiritually, emotionally, mentally right now he's with us right now but if he wasn't here we wouldn't be here doing this it's all alex zach he's the one that is the mastermind behind all of this and in honor of him i'm wearing one of his shirts uh here if you can see love over fear baby love over you know, fear. will allow it even though it's got sleeves that's against dress code i was but you guys I was, are new i know gonna rip them off sorry well well, the undercover vi virologist over there is known not to wear sleeves much. He's usually rocking a wife beater. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, Alex, Zach, we love you, man. And uh, it's because of you that we're getting this amazing program out to the world. Very excited about it. It releases July 11th. And finally, the world gets to get the proper education about dis-ease and what true health is and we're using the framework of the cooties uh psyop to um act as that educational platform so obviously there never was and never will be a covid hope i didn't get you a strike right there chance that's all right we're past uh, the point where this is active psyop shit so we're pretty safe to talk about it there you know the snake is loosening its coils it's time to take some ground back that's my opinion yeah, you don't want to now. You don't want to be talking about climate stuff because that's where they're focused now. Um, <laughs> which I do want to talk a little bit with, about Amanda because she's here because I've been doing a lot oil of oil and vinegar. vinegar. 
I've been doing some vinegar work and uh, pouring out some vinegar. I did it again today and like 40 minutes later, man, blue skies. So uh, it's been really fun seeing that in action. But yeah, no, and end of COVID, uh, really, really fun. Uh, a lot of work, amazing people involved. I'm honored to be in, uh, in this group with all these uh, phenomenal voices and minds from, you know, Dr. Tom, uh, from Cowan, Kaufman, Brogan, Bulmer, Lando, like all the terrain greats all in one place. So, uh, and then of course we pepper in a David Icke here, a James Tunney there, uh, just fantastic minds. And then a ton of whistleblowers and thought leaders that um, are really bringing their experience and uh, uh, that is in alignment with the truth to the peoples. So it's like over 90 sessions, almost like 200 hours of content. And it's free for 21 days, and uh, it drops July 11th. It's going to be phenomenal, and thanks for allowing us to come on here and share it with your audience. Oh, man, I love it. I think, you know, to reframe what you just said, the value isn't necessarily in the retrospective, like, (laughs) you know, kind of going over things that we've all figured out one way or another, but the pattern that is revealed and understood that we can then recognize way sooner in its unfolding. Cause probably whether it's in a hundred years or 10 years or five years, it won't be the last time that such a operation is attempted. It's usually every 911 days. But um, <laughs> that being said, uh, that's the idea, right? It's like, once you see the magic trick, you, they can't pull it over. You can't pull it again. So that's the kind of the point here is, Allowing for your discernment and your true intuition to um, come forth and guide you by having the knowledge and wisdom, knowing that it's all inside you and you got it. You got this. And so it, you know, we, we, uncut, we, yeah, we go through the whole thing. We go through the whole narrative, the whole psyop, all the elements. Um, however, in the end, um, our, our hope here is that we never have to go through that again because now it's, you get it. Right. And then you can apply this to everything, which is awesome. So you can apply it to the climate psyop. You can apply it to the money psyop. You can apply it to the government psyop. You can apply it to the spiritual bias <laughs> bypass psyop. You can apply it to, you know, all those different elements of the, <clears throat> those different sort of factors of centralized um, manipulation of truth and reality that we're at the end of. We're at not just the end of COVID, we're at the end of all that. I truly believe that, you know, not to say that it's kind of an overused term, the Great Awakening, but I do feel that's happening right now. It's exciting to be a part of it. So I'll shut up. That's, I'll shut up now. That's what I'll have to say about it. <laughs> well, I want to kick it over to Amanda next and just say, say thanks for coming on tonight. Short notice, you and Jacob. Definitely not that it's like was necessary per se. I'm sure Mike could have gone for two hours without us even needing to ask a question. He's quite a flow state master, but Amanda, can you introduce this from your perspective, the last three years, the upcoming event, you know, take us through it. Yeah. It was a lot of work to prepare these, these really classes. It it's, it should be marketed as, as a course. I mean, it's, it's such education, right? I mean, we're taking things in modules here. So <laughs> it should be like certi- certifications afterwards of the level of education. Uh, you wouldn't get any of this in your traditional schools. I mean, it's so packed. Uh, I had some excellent conversations and some really favorite ones. And 
it, it was exciting to be, you know, a host and then also, you know, giving my talk and um, having the, the, the round tables and just really thinking through what we've experienced and really just dispelling all the myths. And so people can leave it feeling like they know what happened. They understand the, the science aspects. They understand that most of the science that they were using was false. And they now have a better discernment when they're reading science or looking at science, because I found that to be like, even to, even yesterday, I got an email from someone who's quite awake to the frequency of water. I mean, Beta Austin's uh, also was interviewed for the sessions and I interviewed Gerald Credible because he's like one of my heroes. <laughs> and, you know, he was, she was saying, oh, about spike protein, and here's how you detox from spike protein. I'm like, oh, that's so six months ago, you know. <laughs> but I'm like, still, these are doctors that are kind of energy aware or vibrational aware. They know about easy water. They know about structuring water. They understand that sunlight is vital for health and how to ground and all these things. But yet, they're quoting all this science about spike protein. So I opened every single piece of research that she claimed was so somehow talking about how to detox spike protein from your body. And every single study was uh, nothing to do with an actual person where they, you know, took their organ out and looked and found this spike protein inside them and, uh, you know, did a before and after kind of cleanse and identified the spike protein under the microscope and nothing was there. It, It was all uh, in in vitro, the same cell culture magic show that they always do, and their circular logic that they just you know come right back around to the circle jerk that they've created, and it's just you can see it so easily now. And I really hope that people after this end of COVID series, they feel like they have a little bit better awareness of how to look at studies and have a really critical eye rather than just looking at like someone's thesis or email with all of these links. It looks so impressive. It looks so well-researched, you know, ooh, sciencey and hard and challenging to read. And they must be a high intellectual. So I should just automatically trust them. And, but when you actually break down all the sources, they, none of them qualified anything of what was being said. And we have to do our due diligence when we present information. And that's what we've done with the end of COVID. So I, I feel really proud to, you know, put my name to it. And uh, I hope other people will realize, you know, the energy and efforts that went into this because it's, it's pretty impressive. Like I gotta say like 90 sessions and all that data is, 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 is pretty monumental. So, so I feel really happy about it. To have it all in one place like that. <laughs> it's like, imagine if we had had that three years ago, four years ago already put together. So we do now, you know, once this rolls I'm out, it's amazing. I'm working now, on Amanda, I think you might be, place. you might be able to go to the settings wheel, at the bottom of your screen. I think it might be picking up on your uh, webcam mic and not a different mic. It could be wrong. I mean, we can still understand you, but in the interest of <laughs> pristine audio quality, uh, StreamYard sometimes will pick the wrong mic if you haven't been in it. So, I want to uh, kick it over to Mike and let him make the response he was going to make. But I also want to put on the table that it might be useful for me personally and maybe some people in the audience to go into that cell culture magic trick (laughs) in a little more detail so that we have our comprehension on point and the rhetoric fully locked down. 
And, but I want to read this comment from Polymathing, fellow Canadian all-star in my live chats. He says, and when thou hast witnessed vile treachery, apply flame to thy holy vinegar and disperse multitudinous evil spirits. The book of Volmer, chapter eight, verse five. <laughs> We'll explain the vin- there's been questions I saw about the vinegar method, so we can explain that a bit later for them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And welcome, Mike Stone. Gang is all here. Hi, sorry. I'm a little late. That's okay. It's cl- normal, vibrant style. We trickle in as we can. We're holding it down. Welcome, my man. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It's nice to be here. It's good to have Mike here, too, because... Uh, he can. He and Jacob can really chime in on that whole aspect of the the magic mystery show behind the petri dish fantasy. Um, but I was just gonna say, you know, yeah. Re- <laughs> I wish I had some. Jacob's rec- cracking his knuckles. He's like ready. <laughs> yeah. We were uh, Mike. We were uh, Amanda was kind of giving a summary of the in depth uh, true science and analysis and all the data that's coming out of this uh, amazing project, the end of COVID, which is an educational platform. It was designed and curated in that way. And shout out to Alex Zek once again, who put hours and hours of time and laying this out. And actually, if you go to the end of COVID dot com and you hit the program. You can kind of follow along and you can see it's it's all there, all the sessions as they're laid out. And we've taken a sort of um, film movie concept and applied it because this is all just an act. It's all film, right? It's all just a show. So we're using that aesthetic as well. And so we've got the different narratives and the different acts. And so it takes you through step by step, act by act into through the entire psyop and through the educational process from the kind of beginning and the history and the lead up to it through the intricacies uh, of everything from the PCR tests and the different rollout and the masking and and then the economic side and the political side. And, you know, of course, those who try to roll stuff out always have six ways to Sunday that they're looking to benefit from it. So we cover all those angles right uh, in a way that is both very top down and bird's eye view, but then we get really in the nitty gritty and we represent true science in that way where what we're doing is dispelling the scientism that is the sort of mainline um, infrastructure of the, the, the mainstream, right? That is the, that is the religion of the day. That's the, uh, they're the white coats, right? They're the priest class. Uh, even though they're wearing literally butchers costumes, the, the allopathic MDs. Uh, and uh, so anyways, yeah, it is the real science here. And Amanda hit it right on the, hit the nail on the head there with what we're doing here. So very, very proud of that. So you can go to the end of COVID.com and then go check out the program guys and just kind of scroll through all of the amazing content that's coming your way as an educational sort of platform we've we put it in a learning ma- module system so kind of like uh, as you go through it it's uh, we drop I think four courses a day uh, over the 21 days and then you you kind of get led through it step by step by step man that will be some serious psychic self-defense if you take that training course whoa <laughs> Well, and we've laid it out so it, it takes you through that knowledge-based coursework, right, in a very concise way and a very uh, um, lucid way. But then the last two acts or the last two modules are the way forward, right? It's the New Health Story Part 1 um, and the New Health Story Part 2. So we le- we end with 
I don't know how many sessions that is. It's like 20 sessions or more of like the true stuff, starting to get into the real stuff, right? The biotrain medicine, the, the true homeopathy and the, uh, the beyond contagion dogma and, and the psychosomatic aspect and all that and how it's all the inside game. Uh, did an awesome, I did an awesome one with Tom Barnett. We go all into the inside game. So uh, I think that's actually the last, last one. Uh, or actually maybe it's, uh, well, he's changed it up a little bit. So anyways, check out that program guys. Uh, and then just go sign up, man. It's, uh, it's free for 21 days and starts July 11th. All right, Jacob passing the baton. (laughs) All right. Well, um, great to be here. I wouldn't be here, uh, honestly, without these three right here, uh, winner, Volmer and stone, I came into this about three years ago, read the contagion myth. And then from then on, it's just been, you know, full sales ahead, um, reading a bunch of books, studies. I, we are in our terrain family chat we've had for a couple of years now. And I'm personally involved in this, in this one, about 14 or no, 15 different uh, modules or episodes within those modules. And the interviews that we've conducted, just amazing. And you mentioned the cell culture stuff, which I will get into right now. Because obviously people that are listening are going to be are new to this and you guys want to know more about it. Uh, we do have an episode from, in this summit about what they're doing in the labs with these cell culture experiments. But essentially what's happening with these cell culture experiments to make it short and sweet is that they are creating the very effect that they say is real in nature. So they take usually a cell line from a green monkeys, uh, African green monkey. Um, usually it's a, um, Vero E6 cell, that's what they're called scientifically. They use a bunch of different cells. They can use cancer cells. They can use skin cells. But usually it's a monkey cell. And then what they do to that cell is they bombard it with a lot of different toxins, a lot of different chemicals, a lot of different antibiotics, a lot of different antimycotics, antifungals. They stress it. They dehydrate it. They, uh, you know, they heat it up. They cool it. They put formaldehyde on it. And, of course, they're going to have explanations as to why they're adding all these ingredients into the cell. Oh, we, we don't want it to have any sort of bacterial contamination. Or we don't, we want it to be able to grow, you know, all these things. They also add something called fetal bovine serum, which is usually their growth medium, which stems from cow blood. So they're adding all these things and they're creating a toxic soup, essentially, in these cultures. And then they take a sample from someone who they say is sick with a virus. Do they ever validate that there's a virus in the sample? No. Do they ever see particles that resemble viruses directly from the sample prior to the experiment? No. They just say, oh, this person has symptoms. I'm going to take their blood. I'm going to take their spit. I'm going to take a little piece of their tissue and I'm going to push it into a cell culture. I'm going to add a bunch of stuff to it. And then what happens will happen. After the fact, about usually 24, 48 hours, maybe a couple days after, you're going to see the cell break down. Of course, you're going to see it break down. You just added a bunch of crap to it, and it's going to essentially break down into smaller particles that will butt out of the cell that will erroneously be labeled as viruses. Even though we see these same particles in a bunch of healthy tissues, even though they're called exosomes or microvesicular bodies or apoptotic bodies, they're not viruses. Because in order for it to be a virus, it needs to be showing characteristics of a virus, pathogenicity. It needs to be replication competent. It needs to be shown to be the causative factor in disease. They don't do that. They have never done that. 
And in this, you know, you know, this end of COVID summit, we go through the foundational papers of this methodology where they conducted proper controls, where they, you know, they did see these particles form from non-experimental tissues, from actual proper controls. And then we go through the history of how they basically forgot all those controls. They didn't pay attention to all the science that was telling them it was false and just focused on the virus, virus, virus. Because why is the virus so important to them? Because then they can perpetuate the medicine. Then they can perpetuate the vaccines. Then they can make money and then perpetuate fear to everybody. Make everyone think that they're afraid of this invisible boogeyman and that their their body is somehow against them, which is completely contradictory to what nature is. So really, that's the short answer of what they're doing in the cell culture. And then they've done that essentially since the 50s, 1954 to be exact, from John Enders. And then they've kept doing the same thing until now. Now we have the new generation of virology, which is genome sequencing and all that stuff, which is very boring to the layperson. But they're essentially doing computer generated garbage. And that was what mainly perpetuated COVID-19 pandemic. A lot of different computer generated models, a lot of things that didn't exist in nature that they were saying was real. Omicron, Delta, Alpha, whatever. It was all computer. And we go into why was that? But essentially, that's how virology started, the cell culture. Nothing scientific about it. You're making a toxic soup and, you know, you're seeing it die. You know, if I took Mike Stone, for instance, I put him in a vat of antibiotics and then I fed him fetal bovine serum from a cow, he's going to get sick. Of course he is. And then I'm going to blame it on a virus. Doesn't make any sense. I don't know about Mike. He's made of stone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know. It'd be an interesting experiment. Yeah, I'll, I won't do it. <laughs> but yeah, that's the answer. Short, short and sweet, pretty much. So I, I got to mention, my ears perked up when I heard Green Monkey. You know, <laughs> Green 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 Monkey. That's that's Mojo Jojo from from Powerpuff Girls. Yeah. And, and now, now I this this brings up an interesting hazard that uh, I think should just be spoken of, and that is like. If we find that it's fabricated in fiction or seeded into the consciousness of the collective in mass, in a fictional context, especially cartoons to the children, does that, I think it partially pulls one leg out from under the story that they're telling the adults, the story you just told us. And now we're like, oh, Green Monkey, well, that was seeded in this scientific worship for children that is the Powerpuff Girls, which is all about homunculus. But I don't think it fully valid devalidates it. I think when we can find like a powerful reflection in fiction, I don't think we should be like, oh, they're just lying to us and telling us the truth. You know, the revelation of the method. I don't think we should 100 percent say this never happened. It just means that it's reinforced in that fictional realm. And that's what we're going to see the simulacrum of. Whereas 10 percent of it, there were probably some dudes in the laboratory doing some shit with Green Monkey, you know, whatever. But I just want to say it is uh, amplified or magnified in the fictional realm. I also think part of what's going on in the world right now is that there's tons of jobs in, quote, science. It's a big combination of factors. So I'll try to run through it really quick. But we have this economic system that requires constant increase of spending on government funded projects in order to keep up with the inflation curve that the debt based currency inherently generates over time. 
and to you know allow the system to continue functioning, government has to spend more and more and more on more and more programs. So I think there's a lot of people that work in these science jobs and just like you would see in your normal office building where like somebody just sits around clicking things on Facebook all day or scrolling on their phone, they're not doing any work. But when anyone's looking, they're like, oh, I'm working, (laughs) you know, and they like to go around puffing up their chest like I work at such and such laboratory. And then, you know, another big sector of these of this type of profession has to do with enjoying torturing animals and just doing weird stuff for the sake of the dementedness of it. So I wanted to put that out there. That's a big, big, big part. Tom Cowan's uh, taken that on a lot recently and explained that as something that's just this, the sick aspect that the hip, the hypocritical nature, right. Of those who say, trust the science, you know, uh, those, those folks out there that call us conspiracy nuttards or whatever. And yet it's very obvious that millions of animals are being tortured every year in the name of science. Uh, and that infinite growth model that you mentioned, Chance, yeah, that is a huge part of it, right? The need to continually show profit and also to continually fund the Ponzi scheme. And that's why you can have all these people that twiddle their thumbs all day and they have a big high paying job, but they're not even doing any actual work or research at all. And this gets into gain of function, the gain of function scam. And look at all those labs that were in the Ukraine and why, like, and in China, right? It's, it's a way to funnel money into, uh, darker operations than we can even imagine, probably. Uh, but also mainly just, uh, it's all fake money. It's all fiction. The money's fiction, right? That's like another big fiction. So, uh, it's just people trying to propagate, uh, or not even that, just trying to justify their, ed- their fake education they got through this fake job on a fake system that's all fictional with their fake name and their fake birth certificate. <laughs> you know, it's like, so what's nice is it's all illusion, right? So it's pretty easy to dispel. That's why we're pulling the curtain, pulling the curtain open on it all. And I, I worked in vivisection because I was going to be a veterinarian uh, originally. And um, I thought, well, I needed work. So I, I applied for at KLAS, which is at the University of Alberta. And uh, so I was basically an assistant to the scientists and I was responsible for taking care of the animals um, in my charge, generally rats and mice and rabbits. And um, it was very wasteful. I mean, if they messed up a step in their science, they would um, euthanize the animals, start again. And uh, they would recycle uh, their science. They would run them maybe more redundantly and, and they, or they would tweak something subtly just to keep the grant money sort of coming in uh, rather than really needing what they, that information. And same idea with most of it was just really for the pharmaceutical industry and trying to test drugs um, and trying to cherry pick the data so that the Studies looked favorable because <laughs> um, so, all they needed was two favorable studies to get approval. So they could have 10, 11, 100 negative studies. But if they could manipulate it and get a couple studies that showed benefit in some way, then they could get enough to uh, approval to put it into the human trials, which is their goal. So they would just keep manipulating the, the science to get what they wanted. And, and when I started to see this, um, and I was working in containment, <laughs> the irony, I'm working in like level three, level four containment. You know, I got to do the whole suit with the air uh, vacuum and, you know, I'm going through different doors. I have to shower my way out and stuff. And 
and all that was for naught. Um, but it, it was made you feel kind of like you're important. Like they do this to, to these types of students and even the people that were working there, like we're important because we're working in the you know front lines of science. We're scientists. We're, we're important. You know, this thing. And it, it really gets to your head. Um, a lot of egos rolling around there. I'd go and listen to the research papers being, uh, you know, dispelled with the presentations and stuff. And I was, it was all gobbledygook. It was like, what a waste of life and time and energy and everything just to serve the, the big pharma, um, you know, sacrificial chamber. It just, it's but blood and sacrifice from the beginning, right to the end user of the drug, right? Because they're being sacrificed by using it too, not just the animals. Uh, really disgusting practice and it turned me off so much, but it really made me question, what are they doing? Is this really science? <laughs> and so that was a little, you know, it stayed in the BMI bonnet stayed. And as I went through naturopathic college and so forth, you know, I've always looped back to those experiences. Um, realizing there's a lot of bollocks and, and um, mismanagement and misinformation coming through science. And the point about, thank you for that, Amanda. And the point about computer models being the way that this particular operation was mostly generated and rolled out. That's so common now for like everything, quote unquote, advanced science, astrophysics. They're like, putting numbers and calculations into a computer simulation. And that is supposed to be the universe. That's space. <laughs> that's how we know what, <laughs> that's how we know that star Wars is real. <laughs> so simulation though, I always remind that that word means hypocrisy. And so this whole thing is fueled by hypocrisy. It's like the, the way it works. Now I want to kick it over to the other mic and ask you, first of all, welcome again. It's good to meet you. Thanks for joining us on this panel. Oh, and sure. I'd love to, uh, you know, have you share where people can find your work, what your role in this summit is, and maybe what role you've played in the last three years, especially in the teaching capacity and, you know, thoughts on any of the rest of the things we've brought up so far. Oh, sure. Thank you for having me. I, I really appreciate being here. Um, so, yeah, if you want to find my work, what, what I've been doing, um, it's virology.com, V-I-R-O-L-I-E-G-Y.com. And um, so my role, I've just been... You have a Telegram channel, too. Yeah, I've got a Telegram channel. I've also got a sub stack that people can go to as well. Um, and so I've just been doing more like independent research, um, looking into these foundational papers of virology. Um, looking to see whether they actually adhere to the scientific method, um, you know, because that, that's the important thing. If the paper doesn't adhere to the scientific method, if it doesn't go through these steps, it's by definition pseudoscience. And when you go through these papers, you see it time and time again, they um, lack for, well, for instance, they lack an independent variable. And that's the thing that you're supposed to vary and manipulate in order to, um, you know, uh, see if it has the effect that your hypothesis, what, what you're hypothesizing is the effect. And so that would be the assumed virus particles, right? That's your independent variable. And like Jacob was describing with these cell culture experiments, they, they uh, manufacture or create an effect in a Petri dish and then claim, well, they first assume that the virus is in the fluids and they claim that the they create these particles in this Petri dish. And 
when you look at it, it's just a bunch of toxins and poisons that they're putting together and then injecting them into animals in really cruel ways, like you guys were hitting on. Um, I think if people really understood what was being done to animals, they would see virology in a whole new light. I mean, drilling uh, holes into monkeys' heads and injecting, you know, the mashed up brains and spines of a nine-year-old that was supposedly, you know, a polio case, and then claiming when these animals either, I think it was two monkeys, when they come down with, um, you know, paralysis or, or something like that, that's proof of polio. No, you, you proved that you could drill a hole in a monkey's head and poison them with uh, toxic soup, but that doesn't, that's not naturally how it would occur. So um, what I've been doing is just going through each of these papers, like the foundational, the first ones that would claim the existence of a virus and see if they actually adhered to the scientific method. And um, I, I just went through and kind of broke those down. Um, as far as the, the end of COVID, I believe I've been involved in 10 different sessions. And we, we discussed a lot of different aspects of virology. Um, one of my favorite ones was actually discussing the scientific method um, with Dr. Jordan Grant and Alex Zek and um, I believe Kelly Brogan, Dr. Kelly Brogan was in that one too. And so we went through how um, virology does not adhere to the scientific method and also the logical fallacies that are involved um, in the field. So that one, I, I'm really excited for people to see. Um, we discussed, you know, whether or not antibodies exist and, and what they mean, what these measurements mean. Um, Jacob and I looked at the control experiments in virology. Um, Dr. Mark Bailey and, and Steve Falconer, who does these excellent uh, documentaries, we, we looked through the history of virology. So there's a lot in there that I'm really excited for people to see in this uh, program when it comes out. And it's, um, you know, me personally, there's a lot of these sessions that I'm um, excited to see myself because I'm unfamiliar with a lot of the information being presented and, and some of the speakers. So for me, it's going to be very educational as well. So it's, uh, it's an exciting time. That's a good point, Mike. I'm excited to watch it too because we were busy in production. We weren't, we don't know what's going on with the rest of the sessions, right? So I, I'm excited to see everything. What I, have, what I was just going to say, Jacob, what I have seen, because I've been kind of going over the first cuts and stuff, uh, is phenomenal. We've got two editors cranking away, so it's not just like Zoom calls. We've got them nicely framed and cut. and So we're putting a lot of work on the back end, guys, to deliver quality content to you all. Go ahead, Jacob. Sorry. I was just going to add, um, one of the sessions that I was a part of was with Veda Austin and her work in the consciousness of water. And people listening or watching and be like, what? Consciousness of water. Oh, yeah, we've had Veda on a yeah, few times. We've had Veda give perfect. So uh, the stuff that she was showing, and we go really deep in more of a spiritual conversation, but just amazing stuff that really puts everything in perspective of like, what are we? You know, what's our purpose? How, what are we capable of as our bodies have shown us? It's just, just straight up amazing. And just to add real quick on the whole animal stuff, this isn't just, you know, a specific to virology. Bacteriology does the same stuff. And uh, we, we, we do go into it with uh, me, Mike, and um, what's his name? I'm sorry. Bear. Bear, bear yes, Bear. Uh, we go into Bichamp and Pasteur, the history of how germ theory came to be. 
And it didn't start with virology. It started with bacteriology and the belief that there were germs there trying to kill us. That's essentially what it was. And they did the I mean, same experiments. Yeah. So it was disgusting stuff, you know, boring holes into golden retrievers and cutting open animals and stuffing, you know, you know lab-made anthrax into, into animals' blood. It's just gross stuff. And it started with that, and it became eventually the same thing in virology. But we don't just debunk virology because virology is completely pseudoscientific. Viruses don't exist. Bacteria do. Fungus do. But there's a there's a very nuanced perspective and explanation to a lot of the diseases that we erroneously claim are caused by microbes. And we do go into that as well. But just to put that out there, that it's not just virology that does the whole Frankenstein stuff. It's all of germ theory. Yeah. And I uh, we we do a couple sessions with the Biggelsons and Bear and go deep into bioterrain medicine and like true kind of classic bacteriology and the sort of morphology of it, um, pleomorphism and like the true nature of bacteria. And that's stuff that used to be known. And it's like, we've lost that knowledge. So that's re- going to be really powerful for people to learn how, how magical and just brilliant their bodies are. And those little intelligences that are bacteria, how they morphologically change depending on the terrain. Uh, and I want to, I want to say about that, you know, I think part of the issue, it reminds me a lot of the erroneous separation of mind, body, spirit that is offered by a lot of religions or just the way people think like that there, you have a spirit and a body and the idea of the biome, you know, they tell you like, Oh, there's billions, trillions of bacteria. So like there's more cells that aren't you in your body than that are you. And now we have this separation consciousness that is completely false and the pleomorphism, the transformation of the biome into different expressions based on your vibe, your mindset, the emotional energies you do or don't allow yourself to express the way that in a household (laughs) people's biomes will sync up. Like even with your pets, your biome can sync up and people are trained to be like afraid of that or that that's scary. But that's because they've been taught that those bacteria are like somehow separate from them. But this is a big, this is you. It's just and an expression of you that is malleable and detectable as being so. Does that make sense? Yeah, man. Yeah. That kind of leads into something I've been wanting to say Uh, in in that uh, Mike Stone, your presentations sound awesome. They sound so awesome. The part about logical fallacies. I'm so glad you just mentioned that in the flow because I'm going to go back and review them. I've gone back many times to, you know, re-engage what a logical fallacy is. And then you, and then you, for a little while, you're good at catching them, but they're everywhere. They are everywhere. They're what they really are, what makes the machine run to a large degree. So what Chance was saying about them telling you that there's more other things in your body than what is you, that is like the darkest fucking spell I've ever heard, you know? And when you, when you put your mind in that philosopher's seat, you know, and you and you have the uh, logical fallacies fresh on your on your radar. Then you hear shit like that, and you're like, "These dark bastards telling us that there's more bacteria than there is me." I mean, that's so uh, yeah, that's so uh, removing you from your from your throne. So I just wanted to mention that uh, lo- logical fallacies are glorious, and that's why moral relativism hates philosophers. That's why philosophers are kicked out of society because you can't make society run if everybody knows logical fallacies uh, right on on the front of it. We got a lot of philosophy in this. 
which in a lot of the sessions that I was involved with end in high philosophical notes, which you'll really like, Gabe, and very spiritual ones as well. It, 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 they seem to coalesce into this sort of spiritual, you know, conclusions I tend to always come to on these things, right? Um, but a little nugget of great, a little na- a little gravy for you guys going back to Pasteur, which we didn't end up getting into on our session, was do you know that Louis Pasteur was actually most influenced for the, the creation of the vaccine? You know what most influenced him, believe it or not, was the Talmud. Um, he, yeah. And Kabbalah. Somehow I'm not surprised. Okay. Hold on. I just got to say, Talmud, Talmud is a golem. It's a golem. Yep. It's a homunculus. Tall mud. You stack the mud. You put some semen. You say the magic words. That's tall mud. All right. Moving on. Okay. So <laughs> there was a rabbi that was his homie that um, was a doctor as well, even though he never practiced. And he became intrigued by the rabbi's ancient Hebrew wisdom. And particularly, they, I'm reading here now from a, the JewishPress.com. He became intrigued by the rabbi's ancient Hebrew wisdom, particularly their prescribed cure for a person infected by the bite of a rabid dog. And we know they say uh, Pasteur is you know, famous for creating the rabies vaccine, which you know, led to torture of hundreds of thousands of animals. If someone was bitten by a mad dog, this is according to the Talmud, um, affected with rabies. So they're already, there's a logical fallacy because they're already concluding that that's what's happening. Um, one should feed him the lobe of that dog's liver. Um, even though a dog is a non-kosher animal, the rabbi is considered eating the dog's liver to be a legitimate cure to a serious illness and therefore permitted it to be eaten. Uh, Pastor understood the Talmud to be teaching that the way to cure infectious ailments was to introduce small amounts of the infection into the organism, and he hypothesized that an infected body produces antibodies, which could then attack an invading infection. So a lot of people aren't aware of that, that he was directly influenced by the Jewish Talmud, and that's what led him down the rabbit hole of supposedly, you know, what, how the technology of a vaccine works, um, you know. So, and there is, you know, it's like some... So a little bit of truth to that, Amanda, right? Like homeopathy, it works a little bit of that way. You give a little bit of the poison, right, to help if I'm understanding correctly. But this is like a weird barbaric concept where you're like literally cutting off pieces of animal. It has no direct correlation or connection to the symptomology, right, of this su- supposed pathogenic. Pathogenicity. <laughs> Pathogenicity. <laughs> well, I think it's good that what you're saying yeah. exposes that the medical establishment is a branch of the very same cult that government is. And that, you know, world religions that get people into wars for hundreds of years are. And we've traced that back, the links of the branches of this cult pretty far back on this channel in the past. So that's a really good example to bring forward. Thank you. And homeopathy, just to clarify, is using the intelligence of water to transfer important symptomatology uh, into that structure. So you don't need any uh, actual material from that, uh, whatever you're using, uh, in the substance for the transfer to occur. And it's the water informing the body and trying to direct the life force to address those specific uh, symptoms. So you're matching symptom pictures, but not to not to suppress symptoms as drugs do, but to actually help the life force uh, that might be scattered to align itself to direct energy to a specific need for the body. So it's definitely extremely different than 
the vaccine ideology, which is, you know, take like a smaller amount of the disease substance uh, in its actual material form and put it in the body and make the body believe that it's having this this uh, exposure. And then it's supposed to mount some sort of memory and some sort of, it's like a little computer in there, the homunculus in there is going, oh, let me see. Yes, very good. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, we'll, we'll be safe now because nothing will get us now because we know we're, we're informed. It's, it's so um, juvenile because it's, and it's also presumptuous that we don't already know. <laughs> um, our fields are huge. I mean, the heart math, you know, already identified our heart field as, you know, six feet. And we already do involve ourselves with our environment intimately. Um, to, so to presume that we're, the body's too stupid to know what to do if something got in there that shouldn't be there is, um, it's kind of ridiculous, actually. Yeah, it's just be part of everyone. It, it, it totally is in line with the materialistic reductionism of the body as a machine versus the all-connected wonder that is nature. And you know, it was perfectly put, Amanda. We're talking about informa- intelligence, right? Intelligent information that is delivered via water or plasma or blood or, you know, which is water again. But, uh, yeah, it's the intelligence of nature that we are part of. That is perfect (laughs) and not this imperfect genetically structured machine that is faulty and breaks, but somehow has a computer in it, like you said, that can self-correct if uh, it's poisoned. Um, And as Mike Stone said, we cover uh, immune system and antibodies in this. And there's a lot of, you know, fake science that's finally getting its true colors are being shown, which is really exciting. Speaking of poison. I heard that uh, there was a poisoning event recently, Mike. <laughs> Good segue, Gabe. I was thinking oh, the same man. thing. I, I, I almost got a spit take. <laughs> well, I was just speaking at a Patriot. Uh, so Alex Zek brought me out to speak at this like Patriot weekend thing in Nashville. Kind of alt-right a little. Very, your freedom uh, is voting harder for a guy that's going to take away my freedoms, but that's what freedom is to you. They stole uh, the election, so we got to vote in our guy. Yeah, um, <laughs> and you know, I and to their credit, it was actually there was some beautiful people there, including a lot of some of our awesome friends like Etienne de la la Bochi Dosa or Squared. I always say his name wrong. Sorry, uh, and and then of course. Uh, Alex Zek and I and the Way Forward crew, and and then we were there with the good old Walter Russell, uh, ex president, right? Um, and uh, and his wife Lori, uh, with who, who Bear and I were on recently. And why I'm having a brain fart here, Chance? We were just Matt talking Presti? about Matt Presty. Thank you, Matt. Sorry, the great so Matt, Matt Presty. It's so a good me- vibrant with you, Matt, and Bear, not that far back in the archives. Yeah. And Matt, I must say, we sh- he is a beautiful, beautiful man. Uh, he is the t- real deal. So we we're out there kind of close to him. So he was able to come and speak on uh, Walter Russell to this crowd, which was really cool. Uh, and about philosophy and reality. Uh, and he crushed it. Uh, yes, exactly. Marty, vote harder. That was what uh, we were kind of cracking up about. Um <laughs> during the whole weekend but there were beautiful we were talking there. I got yes for uh, sunday and about how vote means prayer yeah <laughs> like a votive it's uh it's hilarious uh, 
please, please give me my freedom. Um, yeah. So basically I spoke about I cordal there. Uh, I didn't know I was going to be speaking about cordal. I thought I was just going to DJ, but kind of got thrown on that last minute. So I threw together a quick talk and uh, it was weird, man. Like right after it, I got crushed with this gnarly, the gnarliest migraine I've ever had. And I got really nauseous and I had to uh, evacuate and get to my hotel room. And I was straight up puking for hours. And Matt, Lovely Matt got my DJ equipment, came to my room uh, with water and stuff. And his wife brought me some tinctures that, or his partner brought me some tinctures, Lori, and really saved me. So, but that was really weird, man. Like it was some kind of energetic poisoning or something. I don't know. Maybe I did it to myself, but I've never experienced that where I couldn't figure out where the pain was coming from and where the nausea was coming from. I was like dry heaving for hours. So um, there was some intense, intense energetics there. Um, definitely. So very interesting, not totally our crowd, but I felt good that we were going in there and expressing sort of what we see sovereignty as and, and sort of freedom with the non-aggression principle, the right privacy rights. And it's like, as Alex Zek was saying, you know, your freedoms doesn't, you know, what you consider freedom is vote harder for a guy that will then tell us what to do for us. That's not what really freedom is for us. So, um, but a lot of people there weren't on that tip, like Courtney uh, um, Turner, who was the organizer and her partner, Houston, they put a lot of work in and she gets it. She totally gets it. She's awake to everything, the no, you know, no virus stuff and all that. So that's why we went. But she's still catering to the InfoWars crowd a bit, which is fine because I think we, they're closer to coming over to more truth and not to be such half truthers. Not that I want to demean anybody or put anybody in a box. Of course, we're all on different paths towards, quote unquote, truth. Right. But um, I think a lot of them are are kind of figuring it out more and getting more spiritual and getting more in tune with who they are. So it was good to see. And it was cool hanging out with Kathy O'Brien, too. Um, she's a total legend, but yeah, I, uh, definitely got some like energetic poisoning or something, man. It was wild, man. You know, I can't help but think about, you know, the Brown note, the Brown, the Brown note is, uh, you know, they learned how to play a tone to make people shit their pants on the, on the battlefield. Uh, so maybe they give you the rainbow note or something, but <laughs> you but, know what? There was a huge pride thing across the way. <laughs> which was really interesting in this town. It was in Franklin, Tennessee. It's like pretty conservative. And, you know, uh, it's like, I guess, considered the, you know, the most sort of upper escalon of, you know, whatever upper class of all of Tennessee. And so they were up, a lot of people there weren't happy about it, but the mayor voted it in. So there was, it was interesting. I was at like this, like total patriot kind of right leaning, uh, leaning event. And across the street is this huge pride rally with like, crazy Soros money funded. Is that the one sponsored by Lockheed Martin? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. (laughs) Wow. Uh, And it was, yeah. So I, a lot of crazy energetics that day. Um, but, um, Matt Presti, you're awesome. Thanks. Thanks for stepping in and, uh, being a a true friend that day. And Alec as well. Alec came with some, he brought me some turmeric and some bone broth. (laughs) That's what saved me at like midnight. I just dumped a bunch of turmeric and bone broth and sipped that. And I was, I was back. That's solid. There's a linguistical sink here. And that is that, uh, our word gift translates in German to poison. Mm. And so you got poisoned. In the cure was a gift package, a couple of them. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I think uh, what I want to maybe 
shift us to. Oh, Mandy, you have something to say on this? I was just making a joke. If you if you mix all those pride colors together, you get the brown note. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> well, if you blend them all, what color you get? You get mud. You get brown, right? You get that. So Unity. <laughs> Sorry, my humor. It's also what you get when you go in through the out hole. (laughs) (laughs) So apropos. (laughs) It's very appropriate, yeah. So they should just make a brown tag and just call it a day, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk about, you know, so one of the things that's divisive about this topic is there's a huge spectrum of opinions on how much is virus, how much is bacteria, how much is terrain, how much is mental. And it's fine to be in different areas of perspective on all that stuff. It's a strange world where the physical mirrors the spiritual and the emotional and the mental. It is all mental in my from my take. So that's why I really like to just focus on how there is meaning, there is symbolism, there's a message in every malady our body presents us, even when it seems like something that was an accident or it isn't a disease, it's an injury or anything along those lines, it's all got meaning. So a couple of books that I recommend to people out there to start interpreting the messages from their body, especially the ones that don't feel so good and learn what they mean on the emotional, spiritual, psychic level, which is the cure essentially that by recognizing that and then tracing the way back through events of your life that may have caused the pattern of that type of feeling or that type of belief relating to this type of injury or sickness and seeing how that influenced your behavior and the cycle of events that may seem different, but that are actually all symbolic of the same type of feeling or belief, even if they're different events. You know, that's the cure to trauma, in my opinion, seeing how things affected your personality and behavior in ways that you previously were thinking were just you like that really undoes the that really undoes it. Then you get the message that you were meant to get. So, of course, I recommend tuning the human biofield by Eileen McCusick. Great warm up to the concept of how our energy body and our arc field stores this type of very specific information the anatomy of your energy field that is a consistent thing (laughs) from person to person. Like that's very scientific as someone that practices tuning. I know for sure our energetic anatomy is way more similar from person to person than it is different. But another book I haven't talked about on the stream very often. I think it's great. Probably like highly influenced by German new medicine. If I had to guess, I honestly don't even know the source of where the person who put this together got their information. I was, I received it as a gift and I just started looking, uh, using it as a reference and finding it to be consistently quite accurate. So this is a book called Metaphysical Anatomy, volume one. And I've honestly, it's like a secret weapon for me when I'm tuning, because if there's somebody presenting with a type of condition I haven't uh, addressed before, I will go reference this book and it'll have a few paragraphs about that condition. Like a client last week who was experiencing peripheral neuropathy, their nervous system was uh, malfunctioning in a way that their fingertips, their extremities would go numb. It was causing them you know, all kinds of other problems down the chain, right? And 
They were thinking it was like a, a ramification from some physical thing that had happened to them. But when we checked into this book, the meaning relating to that particular, uh, you know, dis-ease of the nervous system had to do with constantly feeling like everything in life had to be a fight. You have to fight to express your truth. You have to fight to get what you want, that nothing can come easy. It's always a battle. And that numbness of the extremities is a symbol, a message about that. You know, that you're to, without going into too much detail. So I, I recommend this book. It can be a really helpful reference. It's in alphabetical order. You don't have to read it cover to cover. Like last night, everyone that comes over to my house, I show them this book and they look up a few different conditions about themselves or people they know. And they're always just laughing like, wow, this is so freaky accurate. <laughs> that describes me or, or them to a T. And so really, really useful for, you know, untangling the knots of your own psychic issues that are relating to the physical stuff you're going through that maybe it's always right under your nose. It's going to be like a huge aha epiphany. Like, how did they not see that? So metaphysical anatomy, the book is by Yvette Rose. And so with all that, you know, laying the groundwork, I'd love for the panel to go over their take on how the psychic influences the physical. And maybe we can start with Mike and, and then Jacob and, and then go from there, whoever wants to chime in. Um, you want to start with Stone? Let's. You want to hear Stone? Oh yeah, sorry, wrong. Yeah, Mike Stone. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, we're talking about how the mind can bring about disease. So, right. Um, well, that that everything the body does is a message symbolic of what's going on in the mind. That um, there is no just accidental thing that happens, even an injury, not just. Sickness, like the whole gamut of it is a psychic message that there is right. no separation from the mental, spiritual and the physical. Yeah, well, that that's interesting just because just from my own experience, um, just I mean, this deals more with like physical injury. But um, I know back I, I was a personal trainer before a long time ago, back in uh, 2005. Um, I started uh, as a personal trainer and. Um, a, a few years later, I was going through a really difficult time. Um, my grandmother had passed away um, unexpectedly. We, we, it just took us all by surprise. And um, almost immediately after that, one of my clients uh, told me she was diagnosed with brain cancer and that it was basically stage four and there was nothing that they could do about it and that she had uh, basically a few weeks to live. And I remember at that time, I was just kind of devastated. I was going through a lot of stress and I started burying myself in work. Like I took on more and more clients and I was doing really long hours. But I remember thinking at that time, like going through my head, I'm like, I need something to happen. I need something to stop. I'm in this, this spiral. I'm, I'm going into work. I'm trying to like not focus on my grief. You know, I was just trying to push it away, but I was uh, kind of barreling forward and just hoping that something would happen that would break the cycle. And a few months later, I was running late for work and I bent down to pick up a T-shirt, came up and it popped my back and fractured my L5, my L5S1. And right in there, this pars deference, and it altered the course of my life. And um, I've dealt with um, back pain now for 16 years just because of this, this small fracture in my 
um, L5 and it actually took me away from work. I was basically holed up in a house for over a year. And unfortunately, it put me in this uh, path where I was on pain medication and all this stuff for a, a long period of time. Um, and it took me a long, uh, a, a lot of effort to break free from that, that, that pharmaceutical cycle. But it, it, you know, when I think back on it, I realized just the, the amount of like the stress that I was under um, and the way that my emotions affect me really, it just completely took a hold of my life. And, and I, I believe, honestly, deep down that that led to that injury, just something as simple as picking up a T-shirt through my back out and altered the course of my life. So I definitely do believe that there's a strong mental, spiritual, physical, you know, component to disease. And, you know, had I not been going through that, I think I would have been just fine. But uh, um, I, I, that's why something like German new medicine is very intriguing to me. I haven't, unfortunately, I've been so myopically focused on, you know, researching viruses and all this stuff. I haven't really looked too much outside into like, um, German new medicine beyond just a cursory look, but it is interesting to me how much the, the mental aspect can influence our state of health. And I, I did an article a while back about how fear, just um, anxiety and stress can cause someone to go through the exact same symptoms um, that's described as, you know, COVID, you know, just, just the idea uh, that you're going to go through these symptoms can bring about those symptoms or just the stress of, um, you know, the 24 seven, uh, media reporting on all these deaths and that there's this dangerous, deadly virus coming out there and getting you just, uh, you know, hitting people with lockdowns and quarantines and telling them to social distance and mask up that, that mental anguish, that, that stress, that anxiety and everything that people are under, um, having to switch their lives around. Uh, you know, in some ways, some people had to lose their jobs, businesses were closed, you know, or they had to transition to working from home. That can have a profound impact on someone's health. So I, I do find that all interesting. It's definitely something I would love to explore more going forward. Yeah, man. And, you know, to, one thing I want to add about this book, I think it's probably should go without saying I don't necessarily endorse every word in any book, <laughs> but even. It's just a really good starting point for starting to think about the sim symbolic meaning of whatever it is you're looking at. Like one perfect example is a friend who checked out this book was working through expelling parasites and those parasites from my, you know, my tuning into it with my forks. Essentially, I was getting the sense that these were ancestrally passed forward, like mother to daughter. And who knows how many generations the same parasites have been going forward. But th this particular pattern existed in her, her mother, her grandmother that she could see that <laughs> there's like this thing with people who have problems with parasite uh, illness coming from parasites that it reflects in their external life that there are people that take advantage of them and they let walk all over them and keep giving to those people. Right. Or maybe they're very sensitive to like the elites, the elites, you know, the parasitic <laughs> class, if you will, on humanity. Then, of course, there's a mirroring of the inner parasites and the external parasites. But the big lesson that was helpful to to this friend was how the <laughs> this book got her to start thinking about, oh, wait, I actually am attached to the idea of the parasites because they make me feel needed. 
They make me feel like it's like a twisted type of love I'm receiving from the relationship with the parasite, both the internal and the external. And, you know, there's more ins and outs to it than that. But this is an example of how you can start to turn it on your head and turn things on their head from the I'm the victim of this circumstance or of this, you know, aggression or whatever the case may be. And like, how am I asking for it? (laughs) <laughs> and how can I take the power back by looking and finding the choice in it all? Yeah. Cause the parasites are in your mind, man. <laughs> yeah, the most contagious thing in the whole world is an idea. Absolutely. Uh, it, you know, I don't, I know everybody here has been through this, but how many times do you drop something and you're first, you're mad because you dropped something. I dropped the blueberries just the other day, all over the kitchen, everywhere. <laughs> and at first I'm angry because the blueberries are all over the floor. But then I realized, no, 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 no. It was one second before I dropped it. My mind was locking up. I was having that in some internal argument about something that I was not present with the blueberries. And so it wasn't my hands. It wasn't the, it wasn't the physical. It was all up here to begin with. And then I realized if I'm really careful, I can pick up all these blueberries and rinse them off <laughs> and everything's going to be fine. But yeah, it is. It's so all mental. It's, it's mental how mental it all is. It really is. I want to do a show one of these days, Chance on my boy, WM Percival's Thinking and Destiny. Speaking of Matt Presti, we've talked about it before. Um, I've done my fair reading on this, but he talks like he breaks it down in such a brilliant way about like every single thought is as is our duty to balance and that we have to be aware that thinking is the manifestation of the reality and we are the manifestors, but we also have a duty to be aware of the thinking diet that we have. And as we exteriorate them, externalize them, we need to balance them. So if we just have thoughts go out and he talks about thoughts going out through the breath, which is interesting, masking and all that. Um, but if we don't balance those, those can turn into accidents. And that can be that your destiny from previous lifetimes, even that finally catch up to you. So everything is connected. Every single thought we make has power and we need to be aware of those thoughts and be really hyper-focused on our responsibility because literally how we think is how we affect others around us and ourselves and our health. So, uh, that's how powerful we are. And when you really start to really start to really like get this idea, things get really fun too. Then you really start to get into some proper manifesting. So Jacob, I wanted to ask you what you think about thoughts, (laughs) beliefs, and (laughs) the sort of energetic transmission from person to person that may be, is there any explanatory factor there in terms of the, Cootie's symptomology and the like, even to the extreme of loss of sense of smell, loss of taste. Like, you know, I had a event in the beginning of 2022 where I, you know, was pretty much felt like I've been beat up by ninjas and couldn't smell, couldn't taste. Uh, I just sweated it out in a sauna and like helped my body accelerated the detoxing process of whatever was going on. And, uh, you know, I was in fighting shape back in the gym in like five days, no big deal. But I saw other people that were around me at the same time also experienced that kind of a symptom. And, you know, back then I was still like, is this some kind of shedding? There were people who had the cow poke around or there was a lot of spraying that day, you know, (laughs) all kinds of things were running through my head at the time. 
Um, so anyway, <laughs> you know, do you think that this stuff can jump from energy field to energy field through <clears throat> patterns? Is there something else you want to add to the equation? Um, the more I've learned about, you know, I, I, I went on and I, I listened to a podcast with Eileen where she talked about the tuning. And then I listened to a podcast about electroculture. And then I listened to a podcast about Veda Austin's work. And then I interviewed her. The more I learned about that, the more I began to see that energy is really the quote unquote culprit to the explanation of what we would label as contagion. We see the same thing in everyday actions. When we laugh, we laugh when our family members laugh for no reason. We didn't have to see the joke. We just laugh. Women, we all talk about this example, but women that live together, that work together, sync their menstrual cycles together. And we don't know why. Pheromones are a great way for the body to communicate. You know, you feel energy when you walk into a room and something bad happens. You feel it. You know something's wrong. So there's no reason to believe that that's somehow nullified with disease. We we do go into it with our, um, me and Mike did the uh, failure of contagion module, where one of the studies had to do with the placebo and nocebo effect, where someone was said to have gotten a culture of, a, of, of some sort of sickness, but in actuality, he didn't get anything. But he believed that he got something, and then he exhibited the very symptoms of that disease. But then when he was told that it was an inert substance, literally the same day he got better. And there's a lot of different experiments that are just like that. So it really, it, 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 it's a great explanation as to the power of the mind can literally create symptoms and make you, if you believe that you're sick, which is what the vast majority of the United States believes that they're sick in some sort of aspect, believes that they are some sort of victim of, of, of something. And then they're going to perpetuate that in symptoms. So you mentioned the, uh, so it's not just that the power of the mind can create symptoms. The mind creates not, it's not like it sometimes does that. It's always that (laughs) like on a level there's, there's, there's layers and levels to it, but like, that's where it all emanates from in the initial. Absolutely. And um, when we think about the, the toxic exposure that's happening to our energy, our ether, whatever you want to call it, whatever word, the EMFs, the, the crappy food, the spring, you mentioned the spring. It, it, it happened to me too, where they were spraying like crazy. And all of a sudden I developed a, a symptom for a couple of days. It, it's just, it's, it's such a, a conglomerate of different factors where there are physical toxins that get us sick. We don't doubt that, but you're the way that you feel about these things, the way you view these things, the, your, the outlook of you, what are you going to do after you're sick? What are you going to do during your sick? What are you going to, you know, tell your parents? What are you going to tell your wife? How are you feeling? All of that is going to dictate how well you do. Then if you think you're going to get sick really badly, oh my God, I'm going to have to go to the hospital. I'm going to get these drugs. Oh God, I'm going to be sick for so long. You're going to get sick for very long. But if you believe, hey, it's going to be a, a detox process. I'll be good in a couple of days. Guess what? You'll be good in a couple of days. It's all about the outlook. And, you know, you mentioned the, the loss and taste of smell. We go into that, too, you know, um, with radiation and, and depletion of zinc and all of that thing, all of those things. Amanda has talked about her experience with the loss of taste of smell with regards to pheromones, being nearby someone who recently did get a, uh, a cow shot. Is there a possibility that our water can connect to each other, that it's telling you, hey, something is wrong here. I'm going to allow you to go through the same symptoms so that you're not affected by this. 
It's a it's a, it's an entire paradigm shift that we that we're trying to get people to understand that people did understand for thousands of years in in ancient medicine, Ayurvedic medicine. This was you know common, and, and eventually it just got erased. But yeah, there's definitely a factor with the belief of things happening and then you getting sick or developing symptoms. But is it a bad thing? I don't believe it to be. I think it's a beautiful communication aspect that is much deeper than more of a divine intelligence kind of thing where your body knows what it's doing. It's constantly connecting with each other, emotionally, spiritually, with physical water, all of those things. Right. You know, um, this research is going to run parallel to a, a, a to a, a way that we've talked about it in the past that makes people a little uneasy in modern terms, and that is sympathetic magic, you know? Uh, and that's exactly, you know, I had a buddy, he was sick on the work day and he literally sneezed, we're carrying a, a table and he literally sneezed across the table. All the dust in his sneeze like goes all on my face. And he just looks at me guilty and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I said, eh, it's, it's fine. I'll take, I'll take your sickness. I'm, I'm not, I'm not scared. And so I accepted it. I said, okay, I'll assume your symptoms. And I did exactly what you said. You know, and then my body was like, oh, shit, I better go through all the things to clean out so I don't end up like that, dude. And it was that night. It was like hours later. And I was already, you know, the contract was locked in and I was I was obligated to go through the motions. I think that's why they had such a uh, effective, you know, fear propaganda campaign, because they kept that in our minds this whole time. I mean, that's why they focused on this, this idea of the loss of uh, sense of smell and taste. You know, it was a symptom that wasn't uh, very well. I mean, people knew about it, but they didn't focus on it. And so it's something that's been around forever. People have always experienced this. They just don't really pay attention to it. And there's studies that have shown this. Um, But when you highlight that in the media, you know, the newspapers and you're hearing about it all the time, then you're on, you know, hyper, awareness, hyper alert, looking for that, that symptom. Oh no, uh, is there something different with my sense of smell now? Or are, is food tasting differently? Maybe I have COVID and it, you know, it gets that fear going. And um, that's why they had to keep all these reminders. If people didn't know about this, you know, if you turn off the TV, COVID would have disappeared. But then we had all these, you know, uh, social distancing stickers stand here you know, put the mask on, you see people went around in masks. It was very effective at keeping this idea in our minds that there was this virus going around when really there wasn't. It was just a, a very effective propaganda campaign. Yeah. And I, I think it's even more than just propaganda. It's a hypnotic suggestion. And we are sensitive to the information, even if we're not um, consciously aware of it. So they're repeating this words, the phrases, over and over again because they're using hypnosis on us. And just like that Taylor Swift concert that happened recently where a lot of uh, people were reporting amnesia, that's because they were using hypnotic suggestion on the audience. And if, you, if you've ever gone to any of those hypnotist shows, you know that they've parked their consciousness and they uh, usually don't remember, you know, afterward the silliness that they were told to do. And there's no different. And they understand how our minds work. And this is why the television is so dangerous. This is why advertising just all over the place is so dangerous. And one of the reasons why I moved out of the big city when I got pregnant was that there was a billboard on everything. (laughs) Is that my daughter in her, where her brain would be 
wouldn't cognitively understand what those things were, but they would go in her subconscious programming uh, to later be fueled by desires she wouldn't understand. And this is the same thing they did with, with all, well, with all these psyops they do. <laughs> they know how yeah. to do this. This is professional now yeah. at this stage. And, and that's yeah. why, why people were experiencing stuff. They might not even realize what their fears were, where they were coming from. They just need to be afraid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I would even put this in the context of we what we might have been seeing when they said, oh, guess what? You're going to lose your smell. And then for the next so many months, everybody's talking to each other about whether they were one of the ones. Were they one of the special pr- people who got the smell thing or didn't get the and everybody's talking about the smell? I'm wondering if we just witnessed a talent wore it like a badge of honor where I was working at the time. <laughs> I think it's a talent recruiting procedure. And they were actually seeking out those who are the sympathetics. And now if you, if you were suggestible, that actually makes you an asset. And it, uh, it's like the kind of thing that they can't get from a, from a swab. You know, they have to, uh, they have to, it has to be, you have to think that you're not being witnessed. You're not being watched. You're not being perceived. So they plant the suggestion and then you go and you tell your phone inadvertently whether you were one of the ones who took to the suggestion. And I want to, I want to maybe just parallel that to the, uh, to the, uh, the inquisition, the witch hunts were the witch hunts also a recruiting procedure. Were they actually looking for talent? Were they looking for sympathetics and sybils and people who could be prophetesses or come on to their side, you know, something to think about, you know, Orphic circle and create new technologies. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, buddy. Yeah. Uh, Um, Francis Bacon was a witch master general in his own right. You know, Uh, there's a lot to that. And I think we just saw it happen again. Well, you take your DNA with the swaps. And now if you've got the data from their phones, match it to the DNA that they gave with their swabs. Now you, you really can map out with whatever data points they think they have to a, a specific subtype. So they're just, they're data mining us, they're studying us, they're experimenting on us and they're, they're pulling what they can to, for later psyops. Like they're always sophist, trying to sophisticate their process. And so the more we become aware of it, then it loses its power. And this is why we have to keep talking about it, sharing, you know, having these difficult conversations with people who, you know, they think you're nuts, whatever. You know, if you really care about what people think about you at this stage, then you haven't done the inner work yet because (laughs) it's not the time to tiptoe around. Yeah, on that point, we do have a couple great sessions on the uh, the digital phenomenon of COVID with Eric Coppolino that I hosted. That we it, fascinating because that's a huge aspect that digital side, like that that database and all that data collection they can do now, and that creating these. We don't talk about it on this session, but uh, you know, it's become pretty obvious they're creating like these virtual other uh sort of simulacrum parallel environments where they have clones of us digital clones of us that they're doing all sorts of different game theory with and seeing what they how they can manipulate reality through their like kind of digital black magic and but 
it's interesting. Eric relates to Hong Kong flu and Woodstock and how supposedly we had a massive worldwide pandemic going on with Hong Kong flu. And, and yet we have this huge hippie fest where people are copulating in the mud and, and sharing juices left and right bodily fluids. And nobody got sick because nobody was even aware of it because nobody was on their phone 24 seven newsfeed being obsessed with it. They were off just once again, rolling in the mud and, and being awesome hippies. So um, that is a huge aspect of it is the digital side. And then we do a great session too on the fear of the German pop culture. Mike Stone was the host and we touch on them. I, I, I was trying to be really clear on the history of the, of the sort of psychological control and hypnosis through television and that, and that direct relationship to the industrial military industrial complex, the, the round table groups going back into the 1800s. Um, and, and it's, there's a direct connection with all of that leading up to COVID and it's really f- kind of phenomenal to see it all play out finally. And, and, and we can look back and go, okay, that was interesting. And, um, and now as Amanda says, with the knowledge we have power and, uh, we can opt out a lot out of a lot of this. So yeah, we're, we're covering it all baby in this thing. Dang, man, that is so crucial. That is awesome. (laughs) You really are covering all the bases. I knew you'd like the pop, the fear of the German pop culture one, because we cover all these different films and TV shows that, you know, are telling the kids that the rabies dog's going to get you with old yeller or, you know, uh, DDT is great to spray on you. What's that? Spray Uh, spray DDT on kids. Yeah, DDT is good for me. (laughs) <laughs> I want to throw out there, you know, Michael Tesserion, he's done a lot of like work on this. He has an entire website called germ man, germanophobia. There's been a rebranding of this word germ going on from different angles for over a century. And what does germ mean? It doesn't mean cooties <laughs> as we've been told the germ is like germination. The germ is the spark that is the generative principle when the masculine creative force and the feminine creative force are brought into the proper alignment where that can jump the gap. The spark can, that's the germ. So it's right there evident in the language that what has been spoken to our subconscious this whole time throughout the entirety of the Spanish flu and the world wars and you name it, that the real enemy was life itself. And the why of that, you know, I've gone into that before. There's possibility that some people out there are working from the assumption that if they can extinguish life, then life will have to be restarted in a more pure sense, like that the creator, if all things ended, would reboot, the reset the creation to a better version or the original version. I don't know, though. It does seem evident the enemy is life and, you know, you shouldn't have children and you're killing the planet and how dare you and et cetera. Well, I'll just say we do cover how that literally the germ, what they call germs are the seed of life. They um, polymorphically, well, they morph back into protids or microzyma, as Antoine Bechamp called them, which are the little sparks of life, which are indestructible. Uh, Antoine Bechamp was able to look at like 100,000 year old chalk and bring them back to life or they were never dead to begin with, rediscover them. So the germ itself is life. And of course, everything's inverted, right? So we're dealing with a complete inversion. So we're reverting it back. We're flipping the table back. Uh, and um, 
having a lot of fun doing it. I just wanted to say um, my taste and smell with no other symptoms uh, was it was over a year. I had I had it for over a year. Oh, I took zinc. Wow. I took you name the thing <laughs> to try because I'm an av- I, I'm a I'm a cook and I my smell is like my superpower. And to not have it and my taste was very depressing, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it, others still suffer. And the only thing that corrected it was my terahertz frequency wand. That was the only wow. thing that would touch it. So I found it interesting that frequency was the resolve, not like a nutritional uh, supplement or anything like this. It, so it seems like whatever did come, it could have been an EMF signal from that freshly vaccinated woman because they do read as if they're kind of radioactive, almost like a chemo patient uh, would. And you're supposed to stay away from them, by the way, (laughs) chemo patients and radiation patients, like after they've received their uh, suppressant. So, you know, it's akin to like that type on that, on that realm, like different than what the the previous vaccines, you know, used to look like or, or, or look like. Um, so there's something different about this approach this this time, and uh, but, but at least it, I've, I found the healing. But that was I tried everything. I lost my I lost mine for um, about three weeks, and I too am a cook and <laughs> like take pride in my ability to have an amazing palate. Tell you like every ingredient in a dish. It was so depressing, and and I would too was wearing it not as a badge of honor, but just like I'm a freak show now. I was eating like scoops of wasabi and ginger, and like I'm like I can eat anything. But it's and that wasn't fun after a while. I was getting super depressed. I remember going out to sushi with my son, and I couldn't taste this fish, and I was just like, this sucks, man. So. Amanda's not going to like this answer because she's not a fan of this. But the thing that actually turned around for me was, believe it or not, carbon 60. I I downed a shit ton of carbon 60 and I got my smell back the next day, like 25 percent, the next day, 50 percent. And I got it back in like three days. I didn't have it gone as long as Amanda, though. It does make sense. This is frequency. Everything's frequency. Uh, I think there's lots of different frequencies going on here and and different reasons why this is happening with the loss of smell. And I think that it really comes down to a higher kind of idea what smell is as the sense and how it relates to our spirit or an emotional body. But yeah, um, really. For me, Mike, I think that um, working with sound as I do with people probably sped up the recovery of the taste and smell. My working understanding of how EMF interacts with us is that our aura is actually a shield against dissonant frequency and that the more coherence you have with your aura, the better protected you are from dissonant frequencies in the environment to the point where you can actually be more or less immune to those things, but it does have like a a type of effect on your battery, you know, just like anything else Uh, and rest and proper nutrition and uh, coherent mind state can perpetually keep you perpetual protected from dissonant frequencies. So I think that, um, you know, the tuning fork option or the the wand that Amanda's talking about, really good way to shore up the defenses of your arc field. And it's just a matter of making sure that the things that put uh, tax on your attention levels, say like dissonant sounds in the environment, like a noisy refrigerator, uh, you know, background noise the tv being on all of that it stacks up 
And the more things you can look at it, like the more things you have to filter out of your awareness to focus on what you want to focus on, the more of a drain on your auric battery there is, the more vulnerability you're shielding against frequency type dissonance will become. So, you know, that's the thing to balance is eliminate as many of those things that you have to filter out of your attention to function. (laughs) And if you can be in an environment where you pretty much don't have to filter anything out and everything around is you is coherent, then you start, uh, then you start reconnecting to the natural conduit of super consciousness that we all are. (laughs) But I think it's like this multi-pronged sort of attack of the dissonance soup that makes us forget so much of our purpose and why we're here. But I wanted to ask the panel about this thing, severe epidemic enterovirus respiratory syndrome 2025. Uh, Apparently there's another simulation going on. Uh, What do we know about this? And there's Target and children in one sentence. What did we just see a big buzz about Target, the company, the bullseye targeting children? Here's pointing out the echo. I mean, I've I've seen this um, a couple of times now. I've seen this one, and I've seen the uh, the spars one that everyone's been posting recently. I mean, these things they do they do these all the time. Um, and you would look into like Operation Lockstep with the funded by the Rockefellers, and how during a pandemic they're going to do pretty much exactly what they did during the last three years, and they say exactly what they're going to do, how it's going to be done in sequential order. Um, so if they're going to do it again, big whoop. None of us are going to fall for it because the reason we, we've been doing this the last three years, the reason we have this summit is for people to learn how their game is done, how to know that the science that they push isn't real, how to trust your body and just not believe the hype. Just turn off the TV. Don't don't listen to what they're saying, because it's probably going to happen again. They're going to find some fake virus to blame, some sort of disease that was caused by a toxin that they created. And they're going to try to get you another shot because they want to hit their quota for a couple billion dollars to make from a vaccine. So just, I mean, I'm, I'm not worried about it. I don't think anyone here is worried about it. I don't think anybody that's going to be watching this is going to be worried about it, but I, I, I do foresee it happening again shortly because they want to hit the, you know, agenda 2030 stuff and, you know, trying to push people into smart cities and all that. So. Amanda, that's a a great question for you. Uh, Well, for anyone on the panel too. And I think it's one of the the most asked questions for those that are now coming over and learning this is like, do you believe that one can truly heal from getting a true non placebo jab? The actual, and we did a whole session. We did a couple sessions, what's in the shots and quote unquote, detoxing the shots. The Biggelson one we did with Bear Lando on a bio train aspect is really good. But I am curious to hear Amanda's perspective on that. Uh, for someone who did get the jam and it was the real deal, whatever that is. I personally, you can't heal from it, but I'd love your perspective. I think there were different ones. And so without knowing the real experiment, it's hard to, to really 100% say for sure, for sure. I have seen people who had the, the shakes, you know, had the seizures where they were tremoring. Like this would be them all the time. Uh, heal from that again with this terahertz wand um, and just focusing on detox because that's you know terahertz frequencies do but cleaning up and, and, and detoxing is the best hope for those who have done it um, 
but the fertility aspects, not too sure if that's recoverable or to what uh, length of, of this. So we're kind of in guesswork with it. Although I, I have seen a lot of people uh, who, who were doing poorly, uh, like a severe you know, paralysis and couldn't walk or, or these sorts of things recover um, with certain uh, techniques. And I don't know if it's ever going to come back to where they were at. Like, I, I feel like I've never recovered from my childhood vaccines. And those created all kinds of inflammatory uh, chronic conditions in me that I'm still battling to this day. So, I mean, and that was the, the normie vaccines. This isn't whatever that, you know, this experiment. So I, I want to give people hope, but I don't want to also give them false hope. I, I want them to be realistic about it. Uh, but that would be the path is work on those detox organs, cleanse the blood, kind of treat yourself as if you had cancer, you know, because that's what we're seeing. We're seeing fast cancers. Um, the body is proliferating um, tissue in response to this attack and it will proliferate tissue in all kinds of ways on the skin. We'll see psoriasis or um, eczema or we'll see tumors and growths or, you know, it will produce abundance of tissue because it's desperate to try to repair it. I'll see this even in the gut and in polyps in the nose and things, right? So it's, but it's not, the mechanism gets damaged. So we have healing triggers and mechanisms. That's why, you know, a lot of people in family units will get sick together. There are triggers for cleanses at different times of year for purposes that we are beyond our, our you know, our limited scope of why, this happens. People ask me all the time, you know, there was a question here about pink eye. You know, they had pink eye, then their spouse got pink eye, and then their child got pink eye. What is the pink eye? And if you just sort of substitute the word infection for inflammation, it kind of helps with your mind, with what's happening. And there are, you know, these triggers that are happening. And this can be energetically triggered. There can be a pheromone trigger. I'm sure there's multiple ways that you can be triggered. Uh, what if you're exposed to a lot of pollen? You all had common, common exposure and it was just was delayed. You all were going to get it. it. You could have put each other in separate rooms and you all could have got it, right? But they're assuming that it was collected or contagion uh, was, was happening there. Um, so we haven't done enough rigorous science really understand these mechanisms but we do suspect they are present because we know what it's not <laughs> we know what it can't be so therefore we have to investigate other possibilities right yeah. the, the pink eye is the the new symptom isn't it for the variant like yeah, and a bunch of other allergy symptoms yeah, yeah. exactly and it, it just so happened to come at allergy yeah exactly the pink eye just while all the wildfires are blazing all across exactly. all the land at the most epic size ever. That's so fascinating. I want to put this on, on people's radar. I'm, I'm going to try to speak out of both sides of my mouth at the same time with this one, uh, because I see a split in the road coming ahead of us. Uh, and that is, uh, if they blow things up with whatever they got to blow things up with somewhere in the world, then people's the cancerous fallout from taking the clot shot is going to look like radiation poisoning and history is going to look back and say see we told you nukes are real but our camp is going to say no those were the fucking clot shots that's clot shot fallout 
Now I want to talk on the other side of the same exact philosophical potentiality. And that is that they do blow shit up with things that we don't believe exist. And the people who took the clot shot are protected. They're the chosen ones. They're going to make it through the fallout. So I just want people to know that the, I, what we're looking at here going forward is going to be a wedge, a philosophical wedge on do you believe in nukes? Do you not believe in nukes? Do you believe that this nuclear radiant? And do you think that you're protected because you were a good boy? And is that in your genes? I just want to I just want to put that on people's radar that this thing is going to expand out into much larger fields of philosophical necessity. Environmentalism, aliens, nukes, all of that is probably going to be in some way <laughs> they're really pushing the aliens right now you're, you're making me like... think of omega man gabe with charlton heston where it's like there's a lot like the people that are chosen are the ones in all remember that movie and they're like the ones that get to take over because they were some somehow like predisposed to survive the radiation or something and <laughs> it's like it's like charlton heston was the tom hanks of his day yes you know yeah. It, it makes me want to go back and look at all of his work because, yeah, Planet of the Apes. Yes, yes. Even uh, Moses. Well, you know, when he was up given the tablets, when Charlton Heston was giving the tablets on the mountain disguised as Moses, he was tripping balls on placenta methamphetamines. That's a very obscure rabbit hole. But, yeah, he, uh, all the glistening on his forehead, mm-hmm. that, was, uh, that was placenta methamphetamine inspired when he gave us the laws. <laughs> Uh, Dylan says, Sikoshio says, I have photo evidence of the most prominent hospital west of the Mississippi, totally empty during the height of the pandemic in 2020. The Uh, testing center is vacant. So is that anything, do you guys have anything on that in your uh, summit uh, about the empty hospitals, the fake fake crisis? Yep. I I took my kiddo on a tour of every hospital I could get to in one day. We went to three different hospitals, empty as a mofo. A lot of dancing nurses, too. Oh, yeah, can't forget the TikTok, yeah. <laughs> dancing, by the way, d- dancing is a plague. And you got to look into the t- tarantula, the source of the word tarantula. But yeah, dan- the dancing plague is a real deal. We just saw it happen again. That is interesting. That, 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 that dancing plague, they dance themselves to death in that moment. This is more like an elongated death. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, and it's it's almost like I think the dancing plague, the effects of it, whatever it may or may not have been, were amplified by how prude how prude everybody was. Like, imagine you're in a community of prudes back in the day. Nobody dances. Nobody freaking gets down. And then something happens where next thing you know, everybody's getting down. You would dance to death if it was your first time ever seeing people like really get jiggy. You were just go for broke, especially if your whole community was doing it with you. The weird thing is something to what you just said that it seems the mm, like honoring of more traditional taboos and the type of people that are have more restrictions on their behavior for like a moral code are also the ones less susceptible to cooties. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like there is something about the those with no compass or taboos whatsoever that they respect are also most likely to drink this Kool-Aid. Yeah. Most predisposed to it were the blue, blue haired CNN watching women for some reason. I don't get it. (laughs) 
Um, I was going to say on the dancing thing is interesting though. Like that dancing was like weird organized in a virtual kind of realm or in a workplace where the real sort of celebratory more free dancing wasn't allowed anymore. We weren't allowed to gather to dance or you had to be six feet apart. So it was, (laughs) it was like a weird fake sort of dancing. Um, and that's why we started Music in Sky in 2020, because we're like, we're going to dance. We're going to dance all night, baby. Um, but yeah, that is that is an interesting. There's a there's something to that, Gabe. Yeah. So I want to ask the panel, is there anything else that's part of the summit that maybe we haven't touched on or that would be an interesting subject to describe in our remaining time here something that maybe is surprising about what has been uncovered or the research you guys have compiled i mean otherwise i'm gonna start talking about the ufo i saw monday night (laughs) i'm not thinking about surprising but there's some things um some documentaries i think that are made specifically for this um, this event that I'm really excited to see. I, I know, I think there's one that closes out, right, Mike? Yeah. Yeah. yeah there, there's some fantastic content on that, on that level, uh, of that is really put together well. And there's a, a, a fun presentation, uh, called my body's brilliant, uh, that really sort of illustrates, um, you know, how it's the internal game and how we've got this. What if my body is brilliant? A short film by James and Chris uh, is fantastic. Uh, that is going to be a highlight for sure. And actually, if you uh, sign up right now, you can watch it. We're giving it away right now. So uh, we're giving everything away for 21 days, but you can go watch it right now. So uh, and then also we're connected with the Sovereign's Way um, with the Law for Mankind course, which is something you can get 50% off right now. And that's teaching you all about your law, which is what this is all about, right? Your, your, your law is a living man, woman, and how that relates to your health and wellness and how you stand up for yourself and create your own law. That to me is <laughs> one of is the very crucial aspect of everything involved with this. Uh, and I look forward to retaking that again, going through that again for the third time. That's how amazing that course is. Uh, and anything that really kind of blew me away in this, I mean, I'm still, there's so much content. I've, I barely scratched the surface. So it's, it's hard to say like every talk I was involved with hosting, I was, there was lots of elements I was blown away by the Biggelsons always blow me away by the way. And I know you've interviewed them chance and you kind of touched on the holographic blood with them, but what they were talking, showing with the pleomorphic cycle with Rife, what Rife was doing, we get into that with what Royal Rife was doing and how he wasn't like vibrating a, a pathogen and, and exploding it. No, he was literally sending frequencies of communication to the germ to have it reverse the pleomorphic cycle back into its um, more pristine state. And they have video of that. They show on the um, for original photography, original. Wow, I am uh, so excited for that, Mike. Now that yeah, you say it's that, like original Royal Rife camera, uh, like film. Wow. So that kind of stuff was what I was like, whoa. And I've been pretty deep in the sort of terrain stuff for years, thanks to Doctor Bear, and they were blowing my mind with stuff. Uh, and and so I'm really excited about that for people to to see the magic of the bacterial world and what's mm-hmm. inside us. 
and the consciousness that's involved with that. And then, of course, the water stuff, as Amanda was getting at, beta always blows my mind. <laughs> and the fact that we had Dr. Gerald Pollack in this is just adds a huge amount of credibility to this event. Um, I'm looking forward to that see really what puts the germ back to its proper meaning that the biome can germinate into any form. It's like a starting. It's a perpetual starting point. It's yep. so magical. Yeah. Yeah, and I am excited to see what good old David Icke has to say. Uh, he always brings it. And the talk I did with James Tunney was just deep and amazing. I highly recommend James Tunney for this show. He's awesome. Uh, yeah. I, I interviewed Cal Washington. That was a really great talk, speaking of law. And I'm glad we, we, we delve into yes. you know this type of personal freedom and sovereignty. And uh, my presentation was on the paradigm shift uh, in science that we're experiencing now. And it's not something really discussed because what is science? And, and, but what is, what's the foundation of the science? What's the philosophy of the current uh, cultural science? And that's what I get into and discuss in great detail, um, breaking down Thomas Kuhn's work and sort of beyond. So, you know, I was, I was really happy with that. And then the esoteric biochemistry where we get into tissue salts with Bear and Steve Falconer, that was, that was surprisingly the, like my favorite one, I think of all of them, because we just had such a good rapport and we went some really deep places and we all resonated so nicely. Uh, so that, that to me was extremely pleasurable. And I know people are going to love that one. Um, Mike, we, we, we need to get like these virtual certificates of like terrain college. If you finish all the modules, just get that. Cause honestly, it's, it's a, it's a literal terrain college. It's amazing stuff. Yeah. I didn't even know you guys did that. And I, and I was a part of this. So that's, I'm why, that's why I was saying, I'm excited to see. Yeah. I, yeah. I was as disappointed as everyone else when it got delayed for the three weeks, but I'm excited. Um, I, I knew it had to be done, but I'm excited for it to finally come out. Cause there's so much content, you know, mm-hmm. well, the delay while it was web induced and I take responsibility for a lot of that because um, it was taken on a lot. Um, also, I'm realizing the editors would have been freaking out because <laughs> we still have so much to edit. So it actually had to get delayed because there's so much content. So uh, yeah, guys, I'm excited too. I've only scratched the surface of our own, of the, of our summit as well. So it's going to be fun, man. I, and, uh, we, we have some communities we, um, that are coming out to support this, uh, the way forward. Alex Dex organization is launching a really cool community that you can join. Uh, and there's, you know, forums and groups and discussion there. And then Alpha Vedic, we're launching our private online community, uh, in a couple of weeks where we'll have full on uh, abilities to, to have deep, deep discussions in the private. You literally sign as a man or living man or woman when you come in. And uh, that way we can all continue the education together after the event. Yeah, watch parties. Great idea. We should have watch parties. And <laughs> this will all be culminating into the mu- into Music and Sky, which is like the in-person event where we've got Kelly Brogan, Eileen McCusick, uh, Alex Zach. Hopefully, Amanda Vollmer. We'll see. <laughs> it's looking um, like eighty percent right now that I'm going to be able fingers, to make fingers, fingers crossed right now. Fingers crossed. Don Lester's coming out, and David Parker from the UK. Um, uh, who's Steve? Brother Marty leads. 
Oh, of course, Marty Leeds. Uh, we're, we've been trying to get Marty there for years. Marty Leeds, his beautiful partner, going to come out. Uh, he'll be jamming on his guitar, I'm sure. We're going to do everything in our power to get Chance back out there again this year because uh, he was killing it last year. I hate saying it. I'm not going to say killing it anywhere. That's my California, sorry, slang. Um, but uh, he was, you were, you were loving it. What's, what's the word? How do we replace killing it? Not crush it. He was, he was germinating it. He was germinating <laughs> it with that, oh that, that Thor-like tuning fork that you had. Just yeah, <laughs> people. Uh, so, anyways, yeah. I think there were like at least ten people that, within thirty seconds of putting my fork in their energy field, they were crying. <laughs> so, <laughs> like everyone was super primed for alignment. Mm. It was very fun. I can I can literally taste the music and sky yumminess right now. And Bear Lando's the keynote speaker around the grand fire this year. And he's gonna like tell his life story and everything, like or you know Q and A and stuff. So, anyways, uh, it's gonna be phenomenal, uh, guys. It's not sold out yet. So come join us for that. And uh, I can't wait for this, guys. This is going to be a lot of fun. It's been a lot of work, but it's going to be a great pleasure to see it all come out to the world. And so please share this with your friends and family, too, because we are dealing with censorship and we're kind of up against it. So uh, I got to say props to you, Mike, because you are such a connector. You've got your Cordal project, humongous project that you're directing. You've got music and sky. You're doing this end of COVID event. There's probably a, obviously the alpha cast and raising two boys. And there's probably other things in the mix too, but like you make it happen. You're quite a dynamo dude. So Thanks, well done. And thank you for the service you provide all of us in these different ways. My pleasure, man. I do it out of service of, and love for the art of creation. All these things are fun, right? Music and skies, like I get a DJ and dance and and hang out with my friends. And end of COVID has been a lot of a lot of work, but it's been fun doing what the web stuff. I think the website looks amazing. Very proud of it. We did have some, as Mike Stone was alluding to, some technical difficulties on the launch because we're doing everything in our power to have it work for millions of people at one time and not be shut down. So I I did stuff I've never done before on that thing and it I messed up a little bit and I take ownership of that. But in the end, it's going to be super impactful because we're going to reach millions with this. So, uh, but thanks chance. I appreciate it. I, I really do. I'm trying to, uh, to basically be, uh, uh, an example for my two sons on what, uh, what it is to be a man in this realm. Definitely doing it, man. So let's go, Jacob. Can you tell people where they can find your work? Maybe anything you want them to know about coming up or anything, man, promo it up. Oh yeah, definitely. So my Instagram is undercover virologist. Uh, it makes a lot of virologists mad because they think that I'm a real virologist. <laughs> but uh, you can't be a real something that's fake. Exactly. Thank you. Exactly. So that's my Instagram. I, I I do have a Twitter that I've been using more and more recently because I love messing with virologists. That they all like Twitter for some reason. All all the self professed professionals in microbiology are always on Twitter. So I like playing with them there, but really all my content is on Instagram. I do have a telegram of the same name just as a backup in case I do get deleted. And we do have a terrain chat, which is mainly um, the, uh, not the, uh, the veterans, but really the veterans in the terrain field that all, you know, we all, we all talk to each other and, you know, get ideas thrown out to each other and, you know, just talk. So yeah, that mainly Instagram is where you'll find me. I, d- I just post whenever I kind of want 
I do have a little uh, contagion debunk series where I go through different diseases and I just, you know, go into how it has nothing to do with germs. So that's really what I'm doing now. Um, I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to, uh, broaden my, uh, my psyche, whatever you want to call it into other avenues, you know, trying to, I'm, I'm delving into flat earth a little bit recently. And I got to tell you, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's very interesting to say the least. And you know, it's making me wonder things. Just, so, just look yeah. into sextants. And it's Sexist? over. Okay. Yeah. yeah. How can I you do it. trigonometry on a curve to measure it's true. a distance? I was just learning today about the whole, the eight mile per square, whatever. <laughs> and it made absolutely no sense. And I do have, you know, Gleason's map right here. So I'm, I'm, get, I'm getting there. <laughs> so yeah, more content will be going out. That is, you know, obviously germ theory is going to be obviously the main stuff, but I'm going to try to do more stuff. So, so, so from one in in between worlds to a to the new newbie on the flat earth block i wanted to offer up a couple stepping stones on your way because okay. a lot of people love to like just flat smack you right into the pool i just want to i just want to point out that there are there are in between points on the way you know you can just i've i've already uh the closest i've come to flat earth is accepting that the, the earth is in the center of the solar system that's that's baby steps. I'm in the shallow end of the pool. I'm not in there with Marty Leeds and Chance hanging out on the deep end doing high dives. I'm in the shallow end. And if you could just put Earth in the center and get comfortable with that, then then you know, then you get your little your floaties on your arms and we it's can just talk good about it's fine to not know, honestly. You know, certainly it's, brings it's just you know, it's, it's, it's really so... more about you know it's not what they're telling us. It's exactly. great to be in the, I don't know what it is. That's fine. And I, I, I was that's reading how you get, that's how Eric you get into Dubé's, the pool. Yeah, exactly. I was reading Eric Dubay's, you know, 200 points of uh, why the earth is flat or whatever. And it's, it's great stuff. And it really just made, it makes sense to me. So, you know, it, it's important to not bombard your mind with so many rabbit holes because you, you end up going crazy. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's awesome stuff. And I'm really excited for what's coming, you know, in the future for the content. So. Nice, man. It's nice yeah. to meet you, brother. And, you too. I am, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be here with my friends here. And it's just awesome. We've brought yeah. in the community more. I love your name. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, Mike Stone. Uh, other, You know, not other Mike, but, you know, Mike. Res- yeah. respected Mike Stone. <laughs> What's up, dude? Okay. Tell people again where they can find you. And if you have stuff coming up that you want them to know about or projects already behind you that are useful for them to be aware of, please tell us uh, where they can find your stuff. Yeah. Well, just my, my main site is virology.com V I R O L I E G Y.com. And that's where you're just going to find more of the, like the breaking down the foundational papers of virology. I'm going through right now. Um, I'm working on a measles one, like the, the, contagion experiments the failed contagion experiments which i've got to uh, do a shout out to daniel Roydas because he compiled just an amazing list that i'm going off of and, and looking through those and i'll hopefully have that done within the next uh week or so um you can also find me on substack it's mikestone.substack.com i believe something like that um i don't type it in very often but i'm pretty sure that's what it is um and uh i'm also on twitter and then I've got this little project coming out called the end of COVID. It's a, it's a big project that we're really excited about uh, July 11th. Look forward to that. Uh, a lot of great information. Um, and then I am also working 
just getting the first stages of working on a book. So um, trying to compile a lot of this information, people have been requesting that for a while. And so um, I don't know, no date as far as when that's going to be done, but I'll keep people updated as I go through the process. Good stuff, my man. And last but not least, Amanda, what's new? What's new? Well, uh, Yummy Dot Doctor is you know sort of my central hub for our community that we're forming, uh, membership, and really I've been designing courses. But not just courses. Uh, really, I'm I'm trying to get all the the knowledge of the last twenty years of being a holistic clinician uh, into functional. Uh, steps for people so they can be empowered to take charge of their own health rather than going to clinicians all the time or or at least uh, getting themselves to a place where they feel empowered with their health out of the states of fear and if they do need refinement or support they can have it within the community so um, we're just about ready to launch really soon Um, you know I run my businesses Yum Naturals Emporium and DMSO.store you know we we make hundreds of different products we make and bring in really good stuff to to share with people and then my book healing with dmso of course i am on substack amanda bulmer at substack and i've been really enjoying that actually um somehow i like that form of communication um so i'm, I'm really uh been really rolling with that and just delving into all sorts of different topics including the uh, the vinegar one that we <laughs> and chemtrails that we started off with here today um, and how to, you know, go about doing these things for yourself and taking charge because it's really about empowerment. And so everything I'm writing and creating right now is all about how can someone who's read, reads this or someone who learns this, how can they walk away and now know what to do? Like they'll know what to do with their family health rather than keep on going into the system and feeding these doctors and supporting a system that is not really there for them. Um, and, and they need their home dispensaries. They need to learn what herbs are on the land that they can use uh, and how to use them. Like home remedies need to come back again. So I'm really focused on the medicine and the folk medicine and the natural medicine, how we can um, get it in for free from the land. Like you, you don't have to buy anything ultimately, right? Um, and even topics like urine therapy, which uh, can be, you know, uh, quite, um, <laughs> well, let's say controversial. Um, Polarizing. <laughs> Polarizing. Polarizing. Yes. But but very important once you get past those those um the stigma of it and the, the judgments of it, same thing with like the cosmology, right? You have to get through your cognitive dissonance aspects and sort of let go of what you think you know about a topic so that you are open to learning about it. So everything I've been focusing on lately is all a lot of writing uh a lot of contemplating and uh just a lot of content uh being being pumped out there so i'm excited for that thanks thank you for this this is awesome you guys are great i gotta once again thank mike for bringing it all together it was gonna be just us and me and gabe and mike and alec that would have been great don't get me wrong but he got you three on the team in the nick of time for quite a fantastic show. I give thanks, praise, honor to everybody here, everyone in the chat. Didn't need to ban a single person. Everybody was cool the whole time. Proof positive that this is the way that the people attracted to this type of information are. We even talked about Mojo Jojo. <laughs> so I'm just like, I'm just so grateful for that. I get to be, uh, you know, we get to do this on my channel. I feel super lucky. I learned a lot tonight and I'm thinking everybody ought to 
save the date, July 11th. The show ends and the show begins. <laughs> it's going to be really, really cool. I, as a, a podcast host, like I consider this a gift from God that I get to go through basically an online course, module by module, and sharpen my understanding of these topics so that not only will I not be fooled again, but I can help others not be fooled going forward for the rest of my life and pass that to my children and pass that to my family members that want to listen. And it's truly, truly one of the most important things that we can do is get a handle on this mind body connection and get out of the victim virus mindset and all the other ways that the, the victim mindset manifests, which is, you know, insidiously ubiquitous. And if people want to get in touch with me for some biofield tuning great way to figure out the mental connection to whatever things are going on in your body that you'd like to not be going on anymore. Access more of your total 100% full life force energy. And that's also your connection to source self and knowing who you are and why you're here. All of that's rolled into one package. Get out of your own way and <laughs> just let it happen. You're here to crush. You're here to really enjoy life and do great things. And I, think that working together in a tuning is a very likely big help for that. So you can check out interversepodcast.com slash sound dash healing. There'll be links to that in the description of every show. And other than that, I guess we'll wrap it up. It's been perfect. I've I, I got a couple hanging chads, Chance. Okay, Gabe. I want to hear your alien story, bro. <laughs> well, if everyone wants to hang out for that or if anyone needs to go, I, I can tell. I got to go. Sorry, guys. I got kids needing to eat. Yeah. yeah every, anyone that wants to or needs to drop out, go, go ahead. Free. I, I guess I'll humor Gabriel. <laughs> I, I just want to say, love you all. Amazing yeah. community. I always love coming on here. It's just always amazing resonance. And you guys always throw so many cool nuggets my way in terms of things to go look for and research because you, uh, I just love how you guys pull in all these different threads from sort of human consciousness and creativity and how they all connect uh, in ways that uh, are very creative, right? Um, and so thank you guys for what you do here at Interverse, Chance and Gabe and all the other Gs. <laughs> and Dylan, who's been in the chat and uh, the whole crew here, like you guys are always just doing amazing, amazing work. And uh, we really value Alpha Vedic and End of COVID really values what you guys bring to the table because this is the new media this is the new entertainment, right? So uh, thanks, guys. I got to go uh, get these kids fed. So I'll see you next time. Thank you, everyone, for having me. Bye. It's been a pleasure. I'm gonna I'm gonna tune in to the episode and then listen to the alien after when I'm available. So I'm excited to hear that. So <laughs> all right, brother. Good to meet you, man. You too. I see you guys. See you, buddy. Cool to meet some new friends. All right, it's just me and you. <laughs> that was a not... fire panel. That was great. Oh, dude. It all just came together. It's like I'm so lucky. Uh Mike just made it happen. You know, <laughs> met some great new new people, to, new to me, Jacob and other Mike, Mike Stone and Amanda Volmer always crushes. So I don't know if aliens is the right description. Here's the story. I'll try to make it interesting. It's could kind it of a short a story. Could they, could they be Aryans? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Monday, Gardner came over. 
our good friend Topher, you know, totally interesting cat. He brought his wife and little three-year-old. We're all hanging out. Lots of fun times. Oh, I got to tell this. Okay. I'll just tell a lot of the story of Topher coming over. The funniest part was <laughs> I have this dog who's about the size of a three-year-old human. Gimli, you know Gimli, right? <laughs> Great dog. Doesn't usually pump, but the <laughs> Topher's little girl, Ellie, she falls over and she like, you know, kicks her legs up in the air, dead bug style. And Gimli runs over and mounts her and starts pumping. And it was super disturbing because it was like the appropriate position to copulate. You know, she had her diaper and dress on. It was all good. She didn't even know why we were laughing so hard, but I pulled him off. No harm done, but oh my gosh. So that happened. Anyway, (laughs) I saw a rape. Yeah, I witnessed a rape. (laughs) It's a very uh, Zeus- oriented experience (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) yeah obi-wan topher comes over though and you know we have dinner together we have lots of good gravy chats going a nice long walk and as the evening's winding down he's staying the night because i'm taking him to the airport in the morning is the plan that's why why he was over uh because i live next to the airport here in springfield and i i just had this impulse like i really want to spend some fire so i grabbed my levitation wand you know got it all soaked up with the lighter fluid we've been just conversing this whole time we're talking i'm spinning fire and the conversation kind of goes towards topher wants to know what i think about like life why are we here what is all this and in a nutshell you know i kind of gave my philosophy of life and what i think the purpose of it is or what have you And in that talk, we got into this whole aspect of how there's got to be mystery to things. That mystery is a component to reality because otherwise God would get bored. And that us as carriers of the divine spark, it would be boring. You know, that the mystery is crucial, right? Right. (laughs) Or or if if we knew, we might be super tempted to go up and poke it and see what happens. (laughs) Yeah. And in the context of like the supernatural or the mystical and things that, (laughs) you know, that whenever the the cosmos gives you some kind of confirmation, it's always going to come in the form of more like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and like a a joke. And it's funny, but that (laughs) we're not all here for the same things. Boom. Dylan nails it right there. Super, super accurate. I think, you know, I think the meaning of life is basically life. Existence is the purpose of it is to continue. <laughs> and then like, other than that, it's what you make it. And anyway, whenever this sort of supernatural experience occurs, there's this component to it where there has to be reasonable doubt that it was real. You know, the, that's like the fingerprints of fringeology that maybe like think about all the mediumship, especially the spiritualist movement, the most intense accounts you hear, there's always like this, glimmer or like splinter of doubt like they could have been faking or i think they were faking it but yet something unexplainable still happened and no explanation ever comes about so we're talking about that like the mystery and the cosmic giggle and how it's always got to be questionable whether or not was that supernatural what what was that and as we're talking about that we see this line of light in the sky coming over our heads and 
I've never seen what they call Starlink before, but it looked like how they describe Starlink, sort of. What I have seen when people show it or talk about it, or that it's like on, you know, pictures on screens, you see these dots of light that are moving in a line, but they're kind of spaced out. You know what I mean? But what I saw, and this could just be my, my, I have, I call it wizard eyes. (laughs) Because ever since I got LASIK in my 20s, bright lights at night have a lot more glow to them and even like rays that come off of them. Basically, like if you've ever done MDMA or LSD or something and you get that big light refraction (laughs) where like spikes of of uh, shine are coming off of things like, you know, what would be a point of light becomes like a a pinwheel of light. (laughs) You know what I mean? With rays, rays, that's the word. So I have that pretty severely in in the dark where everything I look at in a, a bright light has these rays coming off of it like I'm on a hallucinogen. So I've just adjusted to that. So maybe I was seeing it different, but Topher agreed with me that it looked like the, it looked like what Starlink is described to be, but it was moving really fast. And not that I even believe the description of Starlink, I don't know, could be a cover story for something, other phenomenon going on, maybe plasma beings, but it was like, they were all connected. It didn't, I saw no individual points of light. It was just like a streak. It was like a straight line a straight geometric line of light moving through the sky in a straight line. Very bizarre and very long. And then <laughs> we laugh about that. Like, well, maybe that was Starlink. Maybe that was some kind of UFO. That's exactly what we were just talking about. And as we're having a laugh about that, a meteor or something, a fireball, a green fireball, huge streaks through the sky and intersects perpendicular to the line that the light had just traveled on. And then some other bizarre flashing lights came following the path of the line of light as if like they were trailing it. So that was basically the story in a nutshell. I honestly, what I saw made me think like, is this the phenomenon that gave the concept of the dragon to the Chinese culture? That is a big, long snake type dragon more than, you know, your European style dragon. Cause that was my immediate sense. I was, <laughs> I was thinking, am I looking at a, a dragon? You know, it was, uh, it was pretty cool. That's wow. my story. Now, wow. That's a really good one. That's especially since like Topher, the meaning of life and then aliens appear in the sky. <laughs> Brett says, are you sure it's not from taking too much acid? I, uh, I take, I took acid a couple of times in my twenties, but definitely not excessively. So uh, it was for sure a before and after effect of getting LASIK for my eyes, no doubt. Wow, man. So, so when I just want to make sure that we see the same Starlink visually in our in our minds, it's like a string of lights, and they're like a windshield wiper. They're going parallel to each other at the same time, right? But you say it's they're so close that it was a straight line. That's how it appeared to me. That doesn't maybe preclude it from being whatever Starlink the you know string of balloons is <laughs> weather balloons is since uh, yeah, satellites are super fake but here is a picture um here's a picture of what they say starlink looks like maybe sometimes it looks the way i described it maybe i'm making a big deal out of nothing but it was the timing that was cool and mm-hmm. then you know honestly i was more stoked about the green fireball that fell from the sky it was huge and then yeah. the uh the starlink but yeah, this is what they say Starlink is. And you see how things are kind of, 
they're in a line, but it's not a perfect straight line. What I saw was a perfect straight line and there was no separation between any dots. It was just a line of light. Okay. Man. And I had a witness. Oh, I forgot to say the other funny thing about this is part of the conversation with Topher was talking about seeing unidentified objects. You know, I was telling him about the 2017 eclipse, how when I saw the uh, eclipse without wearing the glasses, because I was in Salem, Missouri, where there was totality, one of the many Salem's where the eclipse had totality viewable. Right. And I watched it without the shades. Everyone else around me had them on except my buddy, Kurt. And we saw, <laughs> there's more to the story, but suffice to say, we saw like a chem plane cross the sky, cross the solar disk and the node covering the solar disk, where right as the solar disk got uncovered and the first pinpoint of light is coming up of the sun and the eclipse is moving towards its end, right at the moment that the point of light appears, this plane crosses the threshold of the solar disk right at that point of light. Like you couldn't have even timed that on purpose. It was super weird. And there's pink clouds coming off of it, off of the plane. And nobody could see it that was wearing the glasses. I asked 10 people, did you see the plane cross in front of the eclipse? And everyone was like, no, what are you talking about? But they were all wearing the glasses the, that dim the light because it's dangerous. And so we were talking about that and how that very day before the eclipse, I saw beach ball sized uh, orbs rising out of the ground and flying around in front of me. And uh, the people I was camping with saw that too, all sober. So we were talking about this type of stuff and maybe like plasma entities and UFOs and eclipses and sky phenomenon. And then we got some sky phenomenon. It was awesome. Wow. Wow. What do Okay. So the eclipse story, it, it, it's ringing for me because for the plane to go in front of the eclipse for you and you only makes your location special. The well, only- my buddy Kurt saw the plane too. And Snake okay. Jones apparently says he saw it. That's great. So the two people there that weren't wearing the glasses saw it and snake lives in that part of Missouri. So I'm sure he saw it. And he saw it too. He's got eyes. And to here see. he is. And here he is. On the channel with us while you're telling this story. Like, how sinky is that? But it gets even more sinky because even the people with you couldn't see it because of their glasses. So it's like you, your friend, and Snake Jones apparently <laughs> were the chosen ones uh, because there there's like two layers of filter. That's really, that's a good one. That's a good one. And then you were talking about that when the aliens showed up again. Or the aliens. Here I go. When When some phenomena in the sky appeared that's great uh <laughs> yeah i'm um, i'm so uh not interested in the alien hypothesis demons yeah. i'll take it <laughs> thought forms <laughs> i'll take it but you know yeah. outer space aliens that's tv <laughs> uh, chance is there any possibility i'm pretty sure i posted it in the it was in the telegram for interverse and it was my response to your comment about the uh, about seeing a seeing Starlink. I just put this together today, so I found some people talking about the you know that they have these extra terrestrial vehicles, yada yada, whatever. And they they flash a quick image of one of these twelve items, and it's just like you know, it's allegedly a, a 
government printout of what these whatever high fast moving objects what do they call them us uaps these uaps and i look at the picture that they flash up there they call this thing like the black diamond here it is the black diamond craft and brother look at what an amazing fit that is for a world base look even the oh, circle yeah, base even the circles the in the sky the kite in the sky now now hear me out the boot hole this is the great void look how the craft not only does the craft fit but look how the stars line up with the corners you know and then even the little uh talking points that they point in to like point at an object on the on the visual they even intersect with stars in Buotes. His hand lifted up in the sky matches up with the little corner triangle uh, whatever layout or graphic up in the upper left corner. And then his bottom left corner, the three circles even line up with the stars of his foot, which is the boot of Buotes. So I just threw this graphic together uh, because Buotes is on my mind. This is the kite. This is the alleged kite that Ben Franklin used to invent which in Latin translates to discover electricity, <laughs> discover and invent are uh, lost in translation. Um, but yeah, so he uses a kite to pull down the spirit of Prometheus to Fuck get you, credit. Benjamin Franklin. Fucking Benjamin Franklin, that motherfucker. But we're told that it was a kite, that he used the kite to catch that electrical fire. And then sure enough, the fucking that's the name of Bootes. It's called the kite. And what do you need in order to pull the spirit of Prometheus down? You need a string of lights and you need a really good story to tell the people so that it corresponds with the Lamashi of the star speak. That in the realm of forms of the collective, when people hear kites, when they see these sacred triangles, uh, then they are primed. They're primed to receive uh, this, in whatever, the spell, the spellcraft. Um, and I just found out that Messier 94 has a corresponding other universe over in uh, near the Pegasus Square. And so you can literally take the Buotes Void in the Pegasus Square, which is like a great diamond and a rectangle, and you can fuse them together when you twist the Analima. I think they touch each other. On the, if you took an Analima star map and you crisscrossed it and made the X, I think the Pegasus Square and the Great Diamond would make an Ogdoad, uh, two squares on a kilter to make a diamond shape. But what I just is, wanted- boy, I, I'm missing my, <laughs> I don't know where I left it last, but oh, Planisphere, there it is. I needed to find out where's Boete's near because I'm trying to think where that was in proximity. You know, I want to add a layer to the story of like, where did I see the falling green flash? You know, what what part of the sky was that? Let me look. Oh, good call. Very good call. Yeah, you could like map it out. That's yeah, what I love about Venus Planisphere. and Mars were like right, right next to each other in the sky when all this went down. It was awesome. Nice. So okay. just... uh if anybody has not been there for the whole journey, um, I've been doing a lot of analysis on many, many stories, but um, Milton's Paradise Lost, I'm actually tracking 
the the realm of hell and the mythology of the story through the sky clock. And when Satan comes to Eden, he is in the constellations. He's in the fall. He's coming through the great void, which is right next to the great diamond. Um, But he's using it as a gateway, as a threshold. He's walking through an adamantine gate. Adamantine means diamond-like. So he's walking through this diamond-like gate. The great diamond is the largest diamond in the sky that there is. So LSD, uh, bringing the spirits through a gateway or a threshold or some uh, a void or a chasm is all in the fall. This is all over there in the fall, just before we go through the uh, fall equinox. And it corresponds to Pegasus Square on the other side of the zodiac, uh, which is another square. One is a square, one is a diamond. And when you twist everything with the Analima, I think they line up. Um, But that would be the gateway to Eden because Pegasus Square is Eden. And Satan was making his route. I mean, they're literally drawing a map in the story. If you read, if you read the poem, they're literally mapping out the sky clock and he's coming to, he's coming to earth. The, okay. So I saw this falling green uh, fire in, it fell through Gemini. What? Yeah. It fell through the sign of Gemini, which is pretty cool. Miriam put it in like a minute ago, Ben Gemini Franklin. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'm being, I'm, I'm estimating, but it was in roughly that region of the sky. You know, my backyard is kind of easy to figure out because facing away from the house is dead east. There's Aries, yeah. tropical Aries. Now, okay, so ideally, we're not talking, that wasn't literally where Gemini was, but tropically, which is confusing. <laughs> so there's layers of this. <laughs> well, uh, I just tons wanna, of gravy. I- I want to point out that if you have a kite, like the, the stereotypical image of a kite has those little ties, those bow ties on the string. You remember the, whatever those are, the tail? And, and so for Starlink to look like a string of lights is so correspondent with the Benjamin Franklin spell. It's just fascinating. It's so fascinating. Um, but then there's this other element. So like, kind of like I was saying with like, because we find it in fiction, we shouldn't say it's a hundred percent false. There's probably ten percent of it that actually still fulfills something that did happen. And I just want to put that on the table as well. Benjamin Franklin is using a symbol of the great void to describe inventing a light bulb. Well, the light bulb allegedly requires a vacuum. It requires a great void. So in a strange way, his alchemical star speak ingredient list actually corresponds with what you would need on a laboratory table. You need a great void. You need a vacuum for a light bulb to exist. So I'm just pointing that out too, that I'm not saying that whatever Ben Franklin or that whole story, it's not a hundred percent bullshit, but it does have a fascinating 10% worth redeeming or keeping. It's interesting. Cause you know, like how literal is the void of Boate's? But how much power is there in the idea of that being a void? And I'm just asking questions here. But, you know, what they have learned from Topher is the importance of cavitation in nature, in how nature, how how life forms, flows, operates, that 
you know, <laughs> we found a golf ball while we were on a walk and he was just like pointing at the dimples on it. And he started telling me this story about like a golf ball that had hexagonal dimples that was so had such a powerful cavitation force that guys were driving it dramatically further. And like a bunch of world records were set in a short period because of this golf ball. And then it was outlawed. And so, you know, this idea of a void is, you know, and, and cavitation being this suction force that is how trees get water from the ground up to an apple hanging on the limb and how our bodies op- like circulate blood through like how the heart actually works is through this cavitation suction force, not from pumping. Right. And, you know, just thinking about that, you know, it, maybe put that on your radar that perhaps cavitation has something to do with that part of the sky clock and the fall element of the way nature order, you know, the order of operations that nature works in. Don't know. Yeah, totally. You're totally right, man. Um, Maybe uh, cavitation has something to do with how plasma beings exist and operate. Right. Right. And you know, this, uh, this rhymes with a thought that I'm still developing, but like traditional old school, like old school, old school creation mythology, it, the, the Jews believed in a zazum, a, a cavitation, a sucking in, an implosion. And it was yeah. later, it was later that somebody else came along. I'm looking at you, Spinoza. <laughs> and it have generated an absolute opposite theory. Of the of Big Bang, so fast in a fascinating way. Big Bang is like anti old creation mythology. So you got the implosion and the explosion. What if the implosion is the fall, and the explosion is the germination date three two two? Germination date is the explosion. This is the Big <laughs> Bang theory? Interesting. Just some thought. I Just some uh, thought. I like that, and you know the thing I saw back to the is it starlink or is starlink a cover story for something else in terms of what is described as the seraphim in the ancient texts these are flaming serpents in the sky you know <laughs> and again like the chinese dragon idea and also they're they're synonymous with the idea of the watcher so i i don't know but i think in terms of plasma beings and how very literal and real this conceptualization of the chakra system and the spinal column has become for me in my practice that I'm like working with this directly, that it, there's something to it. What would a life form without a physical body be shaped like? What would a light life form be shaped like? It would be a column, you know, if if you took us out of our physical body, but we kept the shape of our energy body, if you yeah. know, if you removed the human aura from the physical human body, it yep. would be like this line of lights, you know, it would be like this concept of a seraphim. And maybe there's a layer of existence or a, pre, you know, a predecessor or precursor to physicality human form a different density level a lot of ways you might explain it or conceive of how or why it's there but i i don't see any reason (laughs) that it would be impossible for there to be upper atmosphere life forms that are maybe even 
not physical in the same way that we are that are like a chakra system without limbs, you know, like a snake. And it's interesting how that symbol gets correlated to the wisdom idea. So often the the serpent, you know, is that because beings that see things from above, you know, that that's their overall shape and, and formless form. I don't know. It's fun. I like that one. I like that a lot. You know, that kind of what you just said rhymes with another thought that I'm kind of developing about the, Platonic realm forms and the requirement of having mastery over geometry to come into the inner temple. You know, it's like a the, the elite of the elites have geometry mastered. Uh, uh, makes me think of spaceships being space shapes, and only the elite of the elite get to fly the space shapes, right? And it's so nebulous. It's so nebulous. It's really hard to convey the idea, but essentially that the angels of the angles of the mind space of the heavens of your physical self have representations up in the skies, you know, in like, yeah. And that geometry is kind of the, uh, the language that you need to speak, uh, to, to actually, yeah, that's what the language we have to speak. So I can tell you, Oh yeah, Mars was Queen Cux to Venus that night. And you can paint that picture in your mind. You know, like that's the Platonic realm of forms. Um, but it is just fascinating that there's like a template up there, uh, and it makes all these crazy shapes, you know, hexagons, triangles, all there's all different uh there's like different, there's a equilateral triangle, there's a all the different triangles are actually up there and mapped out. You know, different triangles have different neighborhoods of the Zodiac. Uh, this is fun, man. I'm going to wrap us up, though. I don't want it to be too long and scare people off. Maybe like, oh, that's a huge stream. <laughs> I think <laughs> it was very valuable. The two hours we had with our excellent panel and definitely yeah. want to make sure that it's encouraging. You know, people want to jump in and, and enjoy that. So uh, appreciate everyone who stuck around and please share this with, you know, your those, you know, that maybe are questioning the narrative or that would be stoked to see such a super crew all come together. Yeah. <laughs> and overall, most of all, for sure, get the word out about this event and the 21 days that it's going to be free. It sounds like a valuable education, absolutely invaluable education. I personally in intend to attend and complete the modules as I can and upgrade my rhetoric in the you know the psyop of all psyops of our lifetime hopefully there's not a possibility of anything bigger than that being pulled off but we'll see you know if you learn the mechanics of one it will reveal the mechanics of all of them in in the in some way shape or form and the pattern recognition that you can get out of this event i bet is going to be extremely extremely powerful so thanks for uh pulling that ufo story out of me i kind of did want to tell it <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> man. Hanging, I'm glad uh, you did. Out. Buddy, we'll see you on the next one. And uh, stick around. Stick around after we go off the air, if you don't mind. Okay. Yeah, man. All right. Yeah. Big love, everybody. <laughs> that was a great show. Big love, everybody. Night, night. <laughs>